0: Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red
1: FM. Lines are open on 0818104106. You can text 0868104106. Thank you so much to Mick Mulcahy for the past couple of weeks. Um, uh, all went well, I'm told, and uh, good to be back. Uh, lovely photograph making the Irish Times this morning. Um, and I think I was chatting with Seamus this morning. He says upwards of about 90 uh, cruise liners in and out of Cove this season, which is fantastic. It's a gorgeous uh, photograph from the front onto the Times this morning of mooring men. ...tying up the luxury cruise liner Jewel of the Seas. I think that's been in and out of Cove for many years now. Um, and it's great to have it back in many more. But it's a beautiful... It's one of those photographs... I don't know what time of the day it was... ...whether it was during the day or, or sunset or or dawn or whatever... ...but it's just one of those captivating photographs. like of, Almost like of a bygone age... ...making the front of the Irish Times today. Um And uh, back in the city, unfortunately... ...another shooting is reported. The front of the Echo talks uh, of a shooting on the north side... Going RD and emergency services alerted to an incident shortly before 4am in the morning. Uh, over the weekend a church field shooting don't know what was the reason behind it uh, but gun crime is becoming more and more prevalent in Irish society now I know knife crime is and I talk about that a lot uh, but uh, this is a man in his 20s who's been shot and people on the north side are on high alert not for the first time with these kind of issues we should also be very high on alert with regards to how city council spends taxpayers money now in fairness to Anne Doherty she punched back on a few of the observations or criticisms if you like that were made by the auditors of the accounts of Cork City Council. They certainly were taking to task City Council on the amount of overtime. So, front page, you're making the examiner today, and just a few. Uh, stories on this. The government auditors went in as they do and looked at the books and they were looking at the overtime and various allowances that uh, Cork City Council staff. There's 1,500 of them. And how many of them were in receipt of overtime and allowances in 2020? It seems that a lot of checks and balances aren't done as much as they should be within Cork City Council. From the article that I was reading, the examiner, there's just under a, a thousand staff earned nearly 12 million uh, in different payments of overtime and allowances. Uh, in that given year and some were receiving over 20,000 in overtime. And allowances. I'm not for a moment suggesting that the overtime wasn't warranted. They also went on then to talk about criticism uh, of, you know, d- paperwork or documenting business cases for things like the 74 electric ve- vehicles that were bought by Cork City Council in 2020. And one final one that was close to our own hearts when they were bought and installed, these so-called robot trees, what cost us 404,000 euro. Well, the auditors were very um, critical about that. They criticized the fact that there was no assessment as to actual value for money as to why they bought these uh, five robot trees and put them on Patrick Street and Grand Parade um, you know, it's, uh, they said it was a strategy to tackle air pollution. I think we found out subsequent to that that they're pretty much close to useless unless they're cleaning up the air directly around the actual robot tree itself. So that was kind of interesting. And, and there they sit, and they're very expensive benches, I suppose. Another thing that I certainly don't have any problem if the garbage corner want to go and buy drones to put in the air I mean many people might say hang on a second what about GDPR and what about people's rights to privacy and data protection I understand all of that but I think in, in my world anyway if you're not breaking the law, you should have no fear of the law and if it makes the guardian's job easier so be it. And then of course the ongoing battle with regards to cost of living and I'll come back to this later on this morning but the one big issue now for young people, they figure in their lifetime they're saying now, as a young person gets older even, they say their biggest, one of their biggest concerns of course will be lifetime rent and that's a story that makes the independent today. And what about jobs? And I know that we spoke about apprenticeships on this year programme in the past and i mentioned it again now because there is a new apprenticeship course Uh, the first apprenticeship course for bar staff and bar managers and people who want to work behind the bar has been started down in Limerick I think it might be a Griffith College course Uh, so I may well come back to this during the week but it is a course because it's said that up to nine out of ten hospitality businesses now are having serious problems recruiting staff with many employers linking the shortage to a lack of training I don't know about that, baby. I think it might be a lack of training, but I think it could be probably pretty shocking wages in the industry as well. And that's one of the reasons. And you could say that it's not linked enough to tipping and that the tipping culture here isn't good enough with regards to getting people to work in hospitality. I mean, could you, in a hospitality job, rear a family, get a mortgage, have a really good quality of life? Well, maybe if you get promoted Uh, through the sections of uh, the hospitality industry over time, you might. But it seems to be one of the reasons why people stay out of hospitality. Not so much lack of training, but bad wages. Um, And again, this is interesting because they're talking about buses, they're talking about trains, they're talking about the Lewis, but they're talking about our buses and trains as well. And the issues regarding uh, what's plaguing uh, the running of public service vehicles in this country. Apparently, stone-throwing at buses and trams and trains. Uh, and the amount of malicious damage that's done to them, leading, of course, to sometimes buses being pulled off routes or trains having to be taken off uh, tracks to actually have repair work done to them. Um, one of the big issues, apparently, that I didn't know of before was um, what they call international graffiti criminals. I wonder what that's about, where they actually graffiti that's probably a Neil Prandival word that I've just made up, graffiti um buses or trains, um, for social media hits, tagging and things like that. So on top of the stone-throwing are the um, you know, anti-social behaviour on trains or the drinking or the fact that it's being used, the Cork-Dublin train as a, as, as, a, as, as a way of drug muling uh, heroin and cocaine into the community, community as well. Social media hits for graffiti as well. Um, and then on to uh, our roads. Um, and you may have noticed, uh, actually something we did on the air, about six weeks ago, and we compared the cost of car rental uh, in, in Cork. It was just. Through the roof. Absolutely ridiculous. But they're now saying, uh, according to the mail this morning, that tourists coming into the country are getting as big a fright as Irish people who are trying to rent a car. Tourists facing rocketing car hire prices this year as COVID forced rental companies back in the day to sell off all their cars. So there's a huge shortage of them. They just don't have the stock. And when that happens, of course, what happens? Well, prices go up. Uh, more on that throughout the course of the morning because a very sad story determines overseas of a car rental couple I must remember to tell you that, and I'll come back to it a little later on. But you know what the regards to mar- marriage uh, age differences? It's very much accepted in Hollywood to have a huge big age gap between you know people who get married. I think by and large, it's older men in Hollywood marrying younger women. I don't know if it's as acceptable for an older woman to marry a younger man as it seems to be for an older man to marry a younger woman. But they're saying in the mail this morning that in Ireland over the past 20 years, there's figures out now showing that men are nine times more likely uh, to marry wives 10 or more years younger than them. Compared to women, which sounds to me as if it's very unfair on women. Then there are other stories in the, in the papers today that deal with other issues involving our relationship with alcohol, issues involving elder abuse for the elderly, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But one of the stories over the weekend, which I have to admit I wasn't across because I wasn't around for Ireland not getting into uh, the Eurovision. But I think everybody is really annoyed and angry about that because it was a damn good song. Uh, Here's a clip. I think that that does it justice, actually. You know, the actual visual aspect of the Irish entry was a lot stronger than that clip, but didn't make it. Um, this one. <laughs> Ukraine entry, and if there wasn't a war in Ukraine and the devastation of that country, this would have won. that Lisa was on the air the back end of last week talking to Mick Maul. I think that she needed a little bit of help getting a dig out on something. I think all that got sorted out. But she was, of course, at Eurovision over at the weekend. Lisa, good morning.
2: Good morning. How are you? I'm
1: great. Now, when, just, just recap for me because I wasn't around at the time. But when did you go over?
2: Uh, we went over Thursday and we went to the, fi- the semi-final uh, two on Thursday evening. So we got to see Brooke live and she was outstanding. That clip didn't do her justice. No, are there
1: are any little clips. No, I know that. I, yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You didn't get to talk to the lads on Friday after that, did you?
2: No, um, no. Oh so okay. God! Friday okay. morning was a no go. Gotta be honest. Um,
1: <laughs> should, I, case, should I ask you why?
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, no. We we went and had a couple of drinks, considerations. But we did get we did get a selfie with Marty, the main man, <laughs> on Thursday evening. And we met Brooke yesterday. We we were actually randomly went into a pub to go and watch the finals. Get sitting beside her best friends from Derry, and she arrived in, and the pub went insane for her. Like actually crazy. Did you get to chat with her? Yeah, we did, yeah. She was She was really nice. She's really lovely. I mean, she was like, she, obviously she was like a bit devastated. I mean, I'm sorry, but she deserved to go through over Serbia, definitely. But, um, yeah. But the consensus in the pub was actually Spain, Sweden, and the UK to win, that, okay. that was the consensus by everyone we did were chatting I with. I mean,
1: because I was chatting with, because my wife and I were chatting about it, and, and we kind of, we kind of knew at least twenty four hours before the final that Ukraine were going to win anyway. Did did you guys not feel that?
2: Um, we kind of were like, yeah, okay, that's the kind of consensus, but they don't deserve to. Nothing, nothing against. I'm really stand with Ukraine and everything else, but we felt that the better songs were. From everyone we spoke to, they felt the better songs were definitely Spain, Sweden,
1: and the UK. Yeah, but but why aren't I seeing any pushback against it? Um, You know, nobody seems to be unhappy with the Ukraine win. Um, no, no. You could say that perhaps music should be separate to politics or to war and devastation, or that that music should be just about the I, best song. I
2: honestly, I honestly think it's it's because it's Ukraine and it's because it's you know it's Russia and considering the Eurasian event is a very LGBTQ event, um, and considering how Russia doesn't really respect,
1: yeah, that, yeah.
2: Yeah. area i think that's so the eurovision became a that.
1: message then uh, and also uh, an opportunity of coming together against russia and against war 100%. and the devastation yeah and you, but you gotta wonder is the eurovision song contest a place for that
2: well look if music brings us together and yeah. it's the one thing and i mean i gotta say if anyone is, if anyone is even wondering about going to eurovision you should definitely definitely go did you it's it's get the the into the thing. finals Sorry? Oh, Did no, you- we didn't go to the final, but, and we didn't go to the village to watch it. We went, but the place was insane. Like, you could just watch it everywhere. And, like, it's the one place where you walk around with your flag on you because you just, uh, like, it shows people where you are. and You meet everyone. Everyone just stops and chats, and there's no, there's nothing. There's like, it's just such a friendly and an amazing place to be. Like, it really is just outstanding to be there.
1: And have you been a Eurovision Not for years and years? Oh, 100%. Absolutely 100%. This is
2: my second time going. But um, oh, like, and actually, we were meeting. We met so many people over there, and like coming back, and we were all talking about like what's going to happen next year. Because I know Ukraine have said that they want to host it in Maripol but we're not too sure whether that's going to happen. And that decision will have to be made in the next kind of two months for planning for next year. So then the conversation is about: will it be held? Where will it be held? Will it go to the UK or will it go to Poland? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah.
1: was there were there issues with regards to? irregular voting
2: there was apparently six countries got their um panel azerbaijan montenegro san marino poland i can't remember the other two
1: got azerbaijan their, their georgia montenegro poland romania and san marino yeah.
2: so the the voting the the company that basically checked the voting um they basically noted irregular voting, so they pulled their panel votes, not the text votes, the panel votes, the judge votes. Yeah. And they did, they did an aggregated vote compared, meaning they looked at countries of similar size, which normally do similar voting, and they did an aggregated result for those six countries, and their, the panel votes were removed from their countries.
1: And did that affect us? No.
2: No, 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 no. All it right, was, well... It was, do, it was done well before us. What affected us was Serbia. I don't understand how that song did so well, but there But isn't
1: go. it about countries voting for each other, right? Block voting, that's always been the, the criticism number, right?
2: Look, look you, you could say that about, like, you could say that about Western Europe, you could say that about Eastern Europe. I mean, the, reali- the reality is, like, whatever with the panel judges, it's the text voting that changes everything there.
1: Oh, and it's text now. It. So, like, yeah. Well, it's, you can there's an app now, isn't there? There is. You have 23 votes.
2: Um... But it's the text voting, which is the people. And we can't vote for our own country, which is fair enough. So it means other countries can't vote for their own country. But it's the text vote that changes everything. Oh, automatically. So it's the people speaking. I mean, to be honest with you, in the arena tonight, San Marino got such an amazing response. And so did we. We were convinced
1: we were going through. Yeah, but why in the name of God would I get 20 votes? Why can't I just get one?
2: I don't know. The actress gives you twenty votes. You can vote for
1: twenty countries. Okay, but you don't. You can't vote for the same country twenty times.
2: Uh, I don't think so.
1: All right. Okay. And, and so. did Marty? Did Marty have anything to say about? Uh, oh, you he was with him?
2: disgusted. <laughs> he was disgusted. Oh, he, he like we were like, what the hell? And he was like disgusted. He was like, I'm disgusted. She did amazing. We were like, I know. So yeah, no, he was. He was like, no, nope. he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy, but like.
1: But at least, we, yeah. Well, I mean, wh- when are we going to get into the finals of Eurovision ever again? When was the last time we actually in a final of Eurovision? Uh, wasn't that? Hold on. Um, <laughs> wasn't last year was like it? the year before? Was it?
2: Oh, it was the song together. Um, when are we going to win it again? Oh God!
1: What's I it don't going know. to take? What's it going to take to win it again?
2: I don't know. Do we? Do we? Do we? I, I honestly, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We deserved to get through to the final, like we did. We did deserve to get through to the final. I'm disgusted um, that we didn't get through. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And um, to be honest with you,
1: well, no no people, I mean, I just you know, I know this was a huge hug for Ukraine. I get all of that. I really do. And there's going to be issues as to whether or not they'll be able to host it. Whether this bloody war is still going on next year. But you got to wonder about all of the countries who actually sent entries to Eurovision. Should they have bothered at all? Yeah, because it seemed to me as a fait accompli that they were just going to win anyway
2: ah but look come on it's not about if you if you see if you, if you actually saw it and saw the work that goes into it and it's just it's not even just about like kind of the winning or whatever it's literally the taking part and I know that sounds very trite but it is because it just brings every country together
1: it, 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 it does towards. but it, but it doesn't mean the best song won though
2: I would agree with you on that one but, like, look, everyone, like, I have to say, everyone, literally, when they announced it, even though we were surrounded by Spanish and surrounded by English and Swedish, um, everyone gave them a standing ovation and we're like, yeah, okay, yeah, fair yeah. enough.
1: I understand that. You know what I mean? I understand all of that, yeah.
2: But yeah. it's it's the atmosphere and it's the fact that there's no, there's nothing to worry about. Like, everyone just gets on and it's just the most amazing atmosphere yeah,
1: ever. Yeah, yeah. Last time we won Eurovision was 96 with Eamor Quinn, uh, the voice, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, it's yes, cost, it's costing us over 300 grand to send an entrant and a team to Eurovision. The lads did a poll, apparently, on Twitter saying, should we just not, should we stay in or should we just pull out of it completely? 61% of people said, no, it costs too much and we shouldn't stay Where in. Is he? Yeah.
2: Marty went over on a Ryanair
1: flight. It didn't cost that much. <laughs> I Why know don't that because well, we were well, talking to him. Well, fair so, play to Marty. <laughs> you know... Well, there was another €299,970 spent somewhere outside went, of, ra- of Marty's €30 Euro Ryanair flight. <laughs> 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 All right, when are you home?
2: We actually arrived back last night. Oh, so did you? Yes, yes. And so can say a big hello to Lindsay, who I'm back to work this morning, bless her. All right. And,
1: um, and what were yeah. you missing oh. last week that the lads had to find for you?
2: Oh, God, I'd ordered stuff um, um, stuff to bring with me, clothing and stuff. And, yeah, it had been in Cork since the
1: 28th of April. Was, and it, was it, it Eurovision-y kind of clothing?
2: It was all, uh, literally everything was orange or red. <laughs> so I was like, um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Look, there was a plan. What can I say, Neil? There was a plan, all right?
1: Well, at least you got to wear the gear, didn't you?
2: absolutely I did indeed oh and by the way I, I got given out to the last week about this can you say a big hello to Abina in the Maldon Hotel Shandon I know you gave her a happy birthday message
1: morning Abina. the Maldon Hotel in Shandon then alright
2: thank you so much
1: look Lee. after yourself thanks for taking the call Lisa talk to you next no year worries. about Eurovision wherever it may be absolutely all right? Neil
2: we'll make good, good, look, good, good luck good take take luck care. take
1: care bye
0: talk to Neil Prenderbill now
1: 818 You Corks better believe it. Red and man. you can text 0868-104-106. I want to say thanks to James Toomey from the Boys and Girls of Knock Up because he shared with me a video from the ba- 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 Balancholic Bypass going west, you know, as if you're heading towards Ovens and McCroom Way. Uh, this isn't the first time that I've seen a car going the wrong way on a dual carriageway. James, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Man, this, that was scary because it's a very, very long clip. What's the backstory to this? Isn't it? Was it an SUV or what?
3: It was an SUV, apparently. No, it's not my video. A friend of mine took it. And I know that. Yeah, yeah about, I know I, that. I, I yeah.
1: that way. Yeah. But
3: he said it was a, a gentleman. He, he reckons he was a farmer, you know, dressed like a farmer with a cat and everything. Yeah. So apparently he came off. The, he's not sure where he came off. He came off on the Greyhound side track. The Greyhound track side of it. And he ended up just going straight onto incoming traffic. You saw the video. It's
1: like you, know? you can actually, you can actually get off the slips or the roundabouts and down the slips onto can, the wrong way. Yeah, can you?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I initially I posted it. I posted it thinking that he came in from the EMC side of it. Yeah. He came in from Macroom because that, that's what I picked up off my friend. Because some years ago myself, my wife were heading into Cork City because we live out in Aherla. and we were coming in that way. We were driving behind a blue um, Chikikinta. I think that's what they call him. Yeah. And this guy went right by EMC and took off, do the other side.
1: We were just driving next to him, trying to wave and beep at him. So but, but this one on Sunday, this was yesterday afternoon, wasn't it? That's right, yeah, uh, okay. 22. Okay. And are there cars flashing at him to stop?
3: Yeah, well, no, to be fair, my friends, my friend's talking over. I had to delete it because his language was choice, you know. Yeah, can I imagine? <laughs> <so> yeah. <laughs> he was helping him blindly. yeah, but you were flashing him. I think apparently he, what he said at the end of it, there was um, an article he pulled in and stopped. It's in the clip at the end of it he said he saw it. and he tried to get your man off,
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I no, think, it's, it's, I think it's when the big Arctic kind of veers and stops that the SUV yeah. guy then des- re- actually realises only then that he's going yeah. the wrong yeah. way on a dual carriageway. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see where he was speeding. Then at one point, he put the boot on. He was definitely going 60, 70. You know? And but he's exactly. in the fast lane. And in the fast lane, yeah. Exactly, like, I mean... But, um... Yeah, it was mental. Like, um, like my friend initially said he thought your man was trying to commit suicide. Good he said, God. He said, he said he saw the Arctic on, on the thing.
1: Oh, said, no, my God. I mean, that, God. that never came that, into my he, head for a moment.
3: That's oh what my he thought initially, you know, because that's when he, he goes off effing and swear and I'm playing, you know, my F, you know, God, everything, you know.
1: What happened? So of course, your, your buddy couldn't stick around because he's, he's, he's a passenger in a car that's moving. But, like, what happened? You don't know what happened next, like, do you? We don't
3: know. So obviously, like, like, my friend was next to him for a point, but he obviously slowed down because my friend passed him out then, you know. He went past him, you know.
1: Have you ever seen but, that yeah. before, Because Because I have. I, I came up against it once going to Shannon to catch a plane. Yeah. You know the tunnel as you're heading for Shannon? I do? Yeah, a little, a little Nissan Micra came out of the tunnel against me, going the exactly. wrong way. I, I thought That's I was going, I nearly had a fucking heart attack. I couldn't believe this. And I, know, I could see, I could see the elderly like woman in the driving seat coming against me. Yeah. I nearly died.
3: You would, yeah. No, it's just, just, just scary. No, I, I've, never, I've never experienced any of that, but like I said, that day with my wife were heading you to town, this guy went up the wrong way. <laughs> we just couldn't believe it. But look, I, I don't know, maybe it needs to be signposted better for maybe elderly people are, you know, I don't know, um, uh, tourists, you know. He didn't get a reg
1: of that SUV or anyone. No, I mean, was he local or over? Maybe nobody you?
3: got. No, he did. He did ring the guards. It's the same guy, you know. Was um, I, I? I think a lot of people ring the guards. That you know. They were used to, uh, Cause, cause, uh, uh, I don't know the outcome of it. To be honest, with you. I'd love to know what happened.
1: To well, d- well, I can tell you the outcome of it was that nobody was hurt or killed, which nobody is a good thing. Was hurt. Exactly. Mother exactly. of God, yeah. crazy yeah. stuff! Absolutely. Yeah, right.
3: because I, I, I had it up and there were people giving out about the recording and how you said that that's all you got to give out about because there's a guy driving here potentially could kill wipe out a white bone of family. And this is what you're arguing me over. Ah,
1: so uh, you know, you mean you're going, you're going to get that. I mean, there's all always going to be argument. criticism, but people, you know, taking. Yeah. Video clips and moving vehicles or whatever. That's. I'm not here to be anybody's judge or jury. Here, I'm yeah. just. I just want to talk about a story that could have ended up in the killing of a person, Fragile, or absolutely. a family, or, an, or a or, family, or, yeah. or a exactly. multiple crash with multiple injuries that was avoided, absolutely, without a doubt. <laughs> well, thank
3: God it ended well anyway. So.
1: All right, James, appreciate it, my man. thanks for no, that no, no, thanks uh, for the yesterday afternoon up. you would ha- you would get up I mean you'd get such a fright wouldn't you if you came car, like a, it happened to me, and I never forget it at the time. you know I was talking earlier on this morning about uh, about car rentals um there, there's so much choice now with regards to rental and ca- rental uh, car rentals overseas, but you have to be very very careful i mean it's very expensive here now I was telling you there's a, a lack of stock because a lot of car hire companies sold off all of their cars because nobody was hiring cars during the during the pandemic when everything was shut down at least they're saying now that's why they've got so expensive as a shortage of it but if you go overseas there are so many choices now uh, for car rental you can go for the big guys your Avis and your Hertz and your Europe car and and things like that. Or you can go for the smaller companies where you get it much, much cheaper. You have to be very careful with the smaller ones because they put all sorts of different uh, little um, uh, sidebars on the policy. The amount of, you know, kilometers that you can drive, you know, the uh, extra insurance that they want you to take, and all that kind of thing. But you can, if you're smart about it, uh, get to rent a car for 80 or 90 euro for a week. And that could be in Spain or Portugal or, as uh, so the case was me, was was, was in Spain. Um but I saw a very sad thing happen actually uh with uh, a, a couple man and a woman from Scotland when I got into uh Alicante airport last week. I was picking up my car for the first time uh, I went with um one of the the smaller companies right um gold g o l d because a buddy of mine told me you know that you know that there's different things you can do to get the, keep the price down one of them is to take out If you're heading off on your holidays, this may be of interest to you. Um, If you're going overseas and you're going to be renting a car, you can take out an insurance policy that will cost you 50 euro a month. Sorry, 50 euro a year to take out. Uh, It's an excess that you pay for. It's a premium of 50 euro a year. Um, And you pay the 50 euro and it covers you for 12 months in all car rentals. So if you have a bang or if you have a crash or you scratch the car or whatever the case may be, And the car insurance company starts to give you grief and wants to keep your security deposit. And in some cases, that could be upwards of €1,200 that they lock in on your credit card. You know, that's a lot of money. Um, The excess policy that you have for €50 a year will actually pay that out to you. They'll refund it to you. So I think it's a great great thing. Very handy. So it takes that worry out of your mind. But I was getting a car uh, and next to me in the next window... Uh, this chap came up with his wife. I'd say they were, I'd say they were kind of sixties, you know, in the sixties. And he arrived up at the window and he says, um, "I'm here to collect the car rental in a Scottish accent." Uh, and the woman on the counter went, did her thing and was checking it out and came back to him and said, "Sorry, um, there's a four-hour window to collect the car, and your four-hour window has passed. So, in other words, no car." He's looking at her, he's saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, I tried to change the day. I tried to change the time on the online and I couldn't do it. And I tried and I tried and I tried. And she said to him, the problem is you booked with uh, a different agency in the sense that he went through a third party website to book the gold car. Um, and that third party didn't tell gold that the time had changed for his car pickup so he arrived something like six hours too late and she said sorry no car so he's standing there just having got off the plane so he says she said to him the only thing I can do for you now is I can get you another car rent another car so he said how much would that be Uh, so you know and she did her thing checked it out and she came back to him and said for the two weeks it will be 540 euro and he nearly collapsed at the window and the wife nearly Had a heart attack at the window. She just went white because they clearly hadn't budget for that. So the money that they had spent was now gone. The car was gone and they had to pay another 540 euro to get another car. Um, So they said, no, uh, we'll let it go for now. And I saw the two of them walk away. I felt awfully sorry for them because they walked away across the airport. Uh, floor and sat down on one of those seats that you can sit to wait for a flight and they just sat there completely dejected wondering what in the name of god are we going to do next i don't know what happened with them what happened next but the problem of course was that they i think they they booked with uh you know one of those um, travel apps or travel websites that you can get onto, uh go to spain or, or something like that and booked through them and that got linked then to go gold car and by the time it got to gold car of course um you know the the third party company had kind of done their own thing and weren't interested anymore and they couldn't change the booking so they were big big out of money so you need to be careful about that I thought it was unfair of gold though that even in spite of the fact that they were beyond the four hours they couldn't have given them another car I mean they paid for it anyway so one of those things you need to be worried about and one other interesting thing is all about issues on on public transport you know whether it might be a train or a bus or a Lewis or things like that Um, and one of the issues they're having (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> One of the issues they're having apparently in Ireland is um, fare dodgers. I only mentioned that because I was in France in Nice last the week before last. Um, and if you've ever, if you're planning to go to Nice or if you have been there and you've got on the trams there, you buy the ticket, right? So you buy your ticket and a prints the ticket at the tram stop. You get on the tram. And then you have to validate the ticket. Don't ask me why. You've bought the ticket, that should be enough. I get it. But you have to get on the tram, you have to put it into this machine that goes clickety ba, clickety-ba, and then you have the ticket validated. So I forgot to do that, right? So I mean two tickets cost me 1 euro fifty each, 3 euro. Forget to do it coming from the airport. Um two stops later, the train the tram stops, and on get six right uniformed tram police (laughs) checking tickets so everybody's handing the tickets and I hand my ticket and hand the ticket he says not validated he says to me I said no I bought the tea he says not validated machine you must validate I said oh I'll I'll do it oh no no he says no it's too late for that he says you must get off me at the next stop so I said anyway tram stops at the next stop Um, doors open Uh, we get out myself and Paula standing on the platform mortified with these uniformed tram police they just looked like regular cops except they didn't have guns so um, started asking for um, identification (laughs) started asking for passports stuff like none of which I had on me actually and then said it's 40 euro each fine (laughs) I said we're tourists like you give us a break, will you? We're tourists. I just, I just forgot to do it. I bought forty euro each. So I said, "Come on, there's got to be some better way of doing this." Like, let me offer the warning. He said, "I tell you what. I tell you. He says what we'll do is we'll call the police, <laughs> French police. you do not want be messing with them fellas. Like they do have the guns. Like they don't take any prisoners. <laughs> they come along. He says we call the police. He says." Uh, and then you go to a police station, but the fine will go from forty euro each to two hundred and sixty euro each. We're not validating a tram ticket. So I gave him the eighty euro and put a lesson down to experience.
0: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0818-104-106, FM.
1: And uh, you can text 0868-104-106, you can always email neil at uh, a. I want to say hi to uh, paramedic James McCarthy, who retires after 30 years as a paramedic. There's a lovely story making the echo today, talking about him and his time uh, with the ambulance service. He joins me by phone. James, good morning. Good morning, Niamh. How are they, you? They, also, they also tell me that you're going to miss one of the definite perks of the job, being able to dodge any traffic on your travels or your way to work. Is that right?
4: <laughs> yeah, going to miss all
1: that. Where did you start?
4: I started in the ambulance service in September of 92, down in Mill Street, the first place to go. Yeah, never knew but, where I was.
1: Yeah, but before that, were you portering at the A&E?
4: Yeah, I I I worked in um, the CEO I started there in February of 83 and I probably worked in every department really and I worked in the accident and emergency, I worked in theatre, I worked all over the hospital, it was, uh, it was probably a good learning curve for going into the ambulance service, yeah.
1: So as a young fella then you were kind of looking at the ambulances saying oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind driving one of those is it? Exactly
4: exactly, well I knew all the guys in, in the ambulance service at that stage because you know you get to know them coming in and all that and you know, um, I just thought it would be a nice kind of uh, change from from the portering side. So I went the boat. You know, so I went off to a man. Now oh, he's got he's dead now. God resins all oh, Dan McCarthy, and I asked him how I get in, and he said, "Look, first of all, you'd have to get the license. So I had to get a lot of driving lessons from Declan O'Brien." What's that like?
1: What's that like? Say, for instance, a license requirement to drive an ambulance.
4: Well, nowadays you need a C1 license it's a, I suppose it's, you know, um, a minibus license really, that's that's the minimum requirement to get in there um, So everybody, that's, that's the first step you'd have to go really, you know You have to have the license, you won't get in otherwise
1: Yeah, yeah, but there's an awful lot more to it than that though, I mean there must be a lot of training Oh
4: well nowadays there is, like it's a three year training program now, like for the first 12 months you're actually, you know, in the college training and Then you go out as a a recruit out on the road, you know, but just still training for the next two years. And what was it 30 years ago?
1: What was it like 30 years ago?
4: Well, I did six weeks up in Dublin and on my way then down the road and, you know. So it's much different now than it was back then. uh, When I went up training in 98, um, they started a new kind of a paramedic training program, but it it took six weeks. So I was up in Dublin for six weeks and... um, Sent back down then and, and doing relief around all con- county stations. There's a lot know. more
1: involved in yeah. it now, whereas back in the day, thirty oh, exactly. years ago, you were yeah, quoted yeah. in the Echo yeah. as saying that common sense and a level head is what you needed. Well, that's that's that's
4: needed in every still job. Still, yeah. you know what I mean. But yeah. but but it's but it's still still the base. You know what I mean. Work, you know, a lot of our work is common sense, really. You know. And um, we're not out there, you know, saving lives every day. You know, I mean, people think when I tell, you know, over the years, people used to say to me, you know, that, oh, I couldn't do a job like that. Thinking like that, we must be out there, you know, putting bodies out of cars every day of the week. But a lot of our work is medical cause, and a lot of elderly patients. They, see, you know, you comfort them more than anything else in the back of the ambulance. And, you know, just telling them that they'll be OK and, you know, and just talk to them, make them comfortable.
1: You know, I know, I know, but you know, I, I I get that that it takes all sorts of different uh, you know there's all sorts of different life scenarios as to why people call an ambulance. N- not always for the right reasons, though. It was reading really the article of you saying that you travelled from Castle Don Baird to Bandon for a fellow with a headache. Was it?
4: Well, yes, but to look, that just we get half our calls are you know are probably not.
1: Ambulance-related ambulance calls, calls, yeah,
4: yeah. You know, they're not. You know, I mean, you don't have to pay for an ambulance, so people just call us, You know, I think there should be a, a, a bit of a charge, but anyway, I'm not. You know,
1: yeah. Yeah, but
4: yeah. anybody can call an ambulance you get there then oh no no you know I don't want an ambulance somebody else is after calling for somebody they don't want it you're after travelling especially in the county areas oh, you can for travel God's sake, you yeah. know a long way because you know yeah, and um, yeah. Castletown Bay was probably one of the furthest destinations from you know from the city so you know and if the other ambulances were out you'd get called out and, and uh, you know and you yeah. know when you're going out to this call you're, you're leaving an area wide open just no other, you know, the Bantry Ambulance is up in Cork and the Skibbering Ambulance is up in Cork, so you know you're saying, well, you know. We you just have no, to take no it in your stride,
1: don't you? Yeah, there's nothing else you can do about it. Well, you it.
4: do, yes. There's nothing else you can do, you know what I mean? We get our, we get our you know, from controlling them. We just have to go out and do what we're, to, you know. But um, it, it's a shame, really, that people do abuse the Ambulance Service at times because people that genuinely need it then, and you do hear of cases sometimes where, you know, when you. When you live in areas, you know, as remote as Castletown Bear and these places, you hear the people that were looking for an ambulance and they were waiting, you know, an hour or two for the ambulance, you know, I, I, you know I, like that. And you're they're very, and they're
1: up very up and valid up. calls. But why, why isn't there a system where, you know, that ambulance control or base would say to your man with the headache, I'm not sending an ambulance for you. You have a headache. Go to the chemist. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, I don't know the the answer to that question, but I don't think they can. I think everybody, you know, everybody's entitled to an ambulance, and I take it if you ring for an ambulance on a 999 line, you you know, you're going to get one.
1: Oh, it's not not kind of... It's not checked as to whether it actually is a valid ambulance call that requires an ambulance or not. It's just sent.
4: Yeah, no, no uh, they are triaged, and and they would be, you know, you mightn't get it straight away, but you will get it eventually, you know. And you the know, problem, I suppose, is that that the longer they're waiting, they, you know, they'll get it eventually.
1: Yeah. Do you know what I'd love to nail? What, what, how are you uh, guys? How are you guys with the the, the rules of the road? Because I, I I heard years ago that you have to follow the same rules of the road as everybody else. Is that right?
4: Yeah, well, I think we can, I think we can, we can park on double yellow lines and we can even break the speed limit. But we never, you're not given that in writing, you know what I mean? You are expected to to stay within the rules of the road. No, I don't think there's any guard if you're bringing a patient off the hospital and you're you're, you're going, you know, 110 miles an hour up or something like that, 110 kilometers, that they're going to, you know, do anything to you. But we are are governed by the rules of the road. We drive under our own licenses. So, um, yes, you know. So you know, and everybody should take that into consideration, really.
1: Yeah.
4: That uh, are you, know, people, are, you know.
1: know, are people still as courteous over the years now as say thirty years ago for getting out of the way of an ambulance when it's driving in an emergency?
4: Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. Now some people don't. Some people have on their radios, so and maybe you know, occupied somewhere else, and they don't know it. You know what I mean? And of course, there's a lot of elderly people on the road, and they wouldn't. Their hearing wouldn't be as sharp as. When you were younger, so you know, but mostly, but everybody, yeah, I, I, I could never say that I had a, a massive problem with it. They'd everybody all pull not, in to the way. left, as it was. would Yeah, know, they would. They would. Yeah. yeah, yeah, They're very good. In fairness, they, you know, the public are very good that way.
1: Mm. Are there any particular incidences or memorable experiences that you had? I mean, clearly, you must have done an awful lot of life-saving calls.
4: Oh yes, of course there is. You know what I mean. Um But. You know, and there's there are there's always the cases that will, you know, that will come back to you and you'll think about, you know, and obviously I can't talk about those cases because it wouldn't be fair on yeah, the, the yeah. people involved and their families, but of course there is, you don't go through 30 years of, you know, a job like the ambulance service and not get your, you know, your cause. But there's as many good causes as there is ones that will stick out you know, the majority of our calls are probably good cause where we get the people to hospital
1: and you know, and and there's a good outcome. And you get them Um, there on time. Was there a story of was there a story of a blaze down in in Castletown Bear Hospital in 2014, (laughs) was there? There was,
4: yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, myself and my partner, Ray McCarthy, who I was working with for the last 11 years um, we were on duty on New Year's Eve of that night, and we had we were having a quiet night so far. And Ray decided at twelve o'clock to go out and um, have a look at the fireworks because there's always a fireworks uh, display from the pier in Castletown Bear. Yeah, and um, and I'm sure you know without anybody thinking they were going to do anything wrong, they used to leave off flares more so than fireworks. And and Ray just thought that this flare came over quite low, you know what I mean? And he, and um, so he went out, he went around, and he saw that the roof of the the flare was after landing on the roof of the hospital. So he came in and called me because I was inside, and uh, we went out and we noticed that yes, this flare was burning away through, you know, through into the the, the rafters of the hospital. Oh so, um So you know, so obviously the fire brigade was called, and um, so myself and Ray had to kind of jump into action and grab a few tables and chairs and get up and get there was a, a hose out in the yard and got up there and trying to out this and fire, you know, but it, it actually went through. Um, it went through the the the, the ledge. Valley and and start burning the rafters. I think it could have been a lot, not worse. I heard that. Really I heard that actually. It.
1: That if you hadn't spotted it or mm. intervened, there could have been upwards of thirty patients who could have lost their lives in that place.
4: Well, there was. There was thirty patients inside her at the uh, on the night in question, and uh, you know, and, and in fairness for the nurse that was on, Susan was in power, and and uh, I, I can't remember who was the attendant, but they, you know, they had everything ready to go. That if they, we had to evacuate, and I think. It was quite close to it because the, the the fire was actually getting down into the roof. It was the the the, the um the timber rafters were on were on, on on fire at this stage. By the time the, the fire brigade came, we were trying to keep it at bay as best we could. But every time you put water on it, it would just come on again. These flares Amazing. don't go out that easy.
1: They just keep burning. So, um yeah.
4: they just keep burning, you know. So um yeah, it was a. There was a lot of excitement that night, I can tell
1: you. Yeah. You got it under control, in fairness yeah, no. to you. But you're a young man at 60 We're, to be retiring. I mean, what are you going to do? Did little birdie tell me you're getting rid of the ambulance, where <laughs> you're getting a camper van? Is that? Well, that's the plan
4: anyway. We'll see how that goes. But, um, I, you know, I, the ambulance service is, a, is a, it's a, it's a fantastic job, and I wouldn't have wanted to run anything else with my life. I really enjoyed my days in the ambulance service. But I think, like other services, maybe the guards at five, I think the ambulance service, when you're 60, there's very long days involved because you just don't know when you're going to get your last call. And that call could take, you know, waiting times in hospitals and everything. So, you know, our days were 16, 17-hour days, God. a lot of them. And I found, I found that a bit grueling at the end. So I just thought, if I want to have, you know. 16, 17 hours years. these days? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Yeah, yeah. Is that even, that is be, that even you know, safe, uh, James,
1: uh, though? Is that even safe?
4: Well, I didn't think it was, but I don't know how the, how you can, you know, if you get a call, it's uh, you know, eleven hours into your day. We do an eight way day with and if you get a call, it, you know, on we are at seven o'clock in the evening, you're and committed. You have to go somewhere. You're committed. That's it. You're committed, and you have to do it. And um, and I just found it very tiring, having to drive back, you know, back down the road at, you know, maybe eleven or twelve o'clock at night to get home at one in the morning or something, and.
1: Our um, thoughts should be so, with paramedics and uh, those uh, behind the wheels of an ambulance then, because they are long hours.
4: Yes, you
1: know. So, so yeah, And then you could they, have they an ambulance. I hear of ambulances coming from Clare to do a Cork call, or a TIP one coming to Cork, or a Cork one going to yes. Waterford, and all this kind yes. of stuff. Yeah?
4: Yeah, and that seems to be more prevalent now than it was years ago. We would have never, you know, it was rarely, for a matter of fact, I'd say that Cork ambulances even went into Kerry. But no, you could be covering Kerry all day long, you know what I mean? I mean, I've heard of a story, actually, of um, an ambulance coming from Donegal that was, had to go down to Limerick, and then they got a call in Limerick and had to come to Cork. So an ambulance from Donegal ended up down in the CUH. Oh,
1: man, that's so
4: so distracting. That would be a rarity, that would be a rarity, but it can happen, you know what I mean? And and, and it's nothing now for ambulances in Cork to be covering the southeast, or, you know. Is it hard then to get people
1: to take up the challenge of the job as a paramedic, an ambulance driver, part of the crew, Is less Um, people want to do it?
4: Well, they say it is, you know what I mean? I don't think, you know, I mean, they are trying to recruit people and... um, and it is a fantastic job, don't get me wrong, you know what I mean? But there is long hours and you have to be prepared for that, um, you know? Now, well, that might get easier as time go on. Maybe they might get in more people and they might be able to solve that problem. But it seems to be a problem that's there for the last couple of years. Where um, before, like if you were, you know, if you were North
1: Cork, you cover North Cork. If you were, I know, North, yeah, and that West was North your patch, it. and you stuck to it. It may yeah, not lot more sense to it. me, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But anyway, Leo, the camper van is primed and ready to go. Uh, will they let you put a blue light or a siren on the top of it as you? No, you know? I asked them, but they wouldn't allow it.
4: <laughs> thought after thirty years, though, there might be a bit more of <laughs> but no, give they give wouldn't you a do A blue it. light, at least, no. <laughs> so I love have I love to sit there with everybody else, and uh, you know, just wait we turn.
1: Well, listen. Enjoy <laughs> the enjoy the rest and enjoy your retirement. And thanks for your service. Yeah,
4: not at all. You're welcome, Neil. Yeah, Take it was care, a pleasure. James. You know, it a pleasure to serve to serve the people of Cork City and West Cork as well over my years. Uh, listen, yeah, yeah, you yeah, really not have summed
1: it. it up better than that, pal. Well said. Yeah, Look after yeah, yourself. Yeah. Regards to you and your family. Okay, all Neil. right, cheers. For the call. Take care. Bye bye. Paramedic Bye-bye. James McCarthy, who retired. Uh, this week, uh, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We're back after ten.
5: Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four, Dave
1: Max Drive
0: get it off your chest call neil brenderville now on 0818 104 106 red fm
1: and to the phone lines we go and a lot of texts on this as well i know the lads have been touching on cost of living increases last week eileen good morning
6: good morning Neil.
1: are you feeling it in every aspect of life
6: we certainly are i think everybody is, is feeling it um, and as, as the weeks go on Um. As well I commented on the post that was on your Facebook page earlier today, because
1: post being uh, and, th- and this was the post. How is the cost of living affecting you and your family? According to the latest stats, they talk about inflation. They talk about energy, fuel, food, highest now in twenty two years. Med- m- meat, bread, cereals, cheese, eggs, all up in price. People are dipping into their savings now, their nest eggs, to pay their bills. They're choosing between food and heating the home. That kind of stuff, wasn't it? Definitely,
6: yes. Um, And again, as I said, everybody is being hit, but um, in in my experience here locally, I'm living in Castle March in East Cork, and it is like the majority of working families that are being hit, where both or one parent is out working. um, And it's just never ending. You know, the the increase of fuel um, going to and from work, the cost of childcare, um, there's talks now of increases in property tax, mortgage inflation, everything. Um, and again, it's 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 middle income earners that are, are getting the brunt of it. And um, so what I was saying is every single year we have, have media reports in relation to school costs. This year, I think it's going to impact on people more than it ever has um, with little or no intervention, again, from the
1: government. When you're adding up the cost of school, this is a school going child going to primary or secondary, is it?
6: That's correct. Well, okay. both my own children are in primary school at the moment.
1: OK, because Zurich um, said, you're telling me that Zurich said that it's, got, it's 1,300 a year in a survey they did, is it?
6: That's correct. And it's, it's increased by 200 euros. So that, that survey would have covered the school return of last September, September 2021, and it had increased by 200 euros. So for September 2022, um, what are the costs that we're going to see increasing?
1: 1,300 per child, is it in primary
6: between primary and secondary, um, as I said, I can give a kind of a brief down... Break Would down you mind? If you
1: wouldn't mind doing that, yeah.
6: Yeah, that's sure. So, for my children, um, the uniforms, they are crested uniforms. You know, they're not the non-generic items that you can buy in Dun stores or anywhere else like that. So Should be. They have both a formal uniform and a tracksuit. So, per child, for one, one, one tracksuit and one formal uniform is about approximately 140, 140 euro per child.
1: So that's um, what's that? Is that, a, is that? Let's say, is that a pants, a jumper, and a yes, shirt?
6: so it, it, it's a pants. Um, fair enough, you can buy the trousers. Uh, they're grey, so you can buy them in Dunn stores and Marks and Spencers or whatever. You have a, a crested jumper um, that can only be purchased in one shop in Middleton. Right. You have a red shirt, um, which can't be, a red shirt can't be purchased in any outlet in Ireland.
1: A red shirt? Uh,
6: a red shirt, yes. So okay. those shirts range from 13 euros Up to 17 euro depending on the size.
1: Okay, okay, so 140 a child, okay.
6: Okay. About 140. Is that including shoes, no? No, so that's literally just the uniform. So you can then go on to books because our school has a partial book scheme, but there's still certain books that need to be purchased, which would be once only workbooks. And now, again, I know the Department of Education had issued. Instructions to all school desk, schools that schools workbooks shouldn't be used. Which a lot of schools continue to use. Them.
1: Are workbooks things that the kids write in?
6: That's correct. Okay. So they can only be used once.
1: Right. Yeah.
6: So some of the books are on a work are on a book rental scheme.
1: Yeah, the, those ones. Have. The workbooks wouldn't be because they yeah they've, they've already been written. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead.
6: Yeah. So then you're looking at shoes. And um, so as I said, children are going to go through quite a lot of shoes during the year. So you're going to need one pair of shoes for the formal uniform. Their runners for their track days, so I suppose you can average that at about ninety euro, and um, roughly I would think. Um, I wouldn't spend ninety.
1: I wouldn't pen ninety euro on shoes myself. Surely, be to God, you can get cheaper shoes than that.
6: Well, for for suitable runners and shoes for children, that that would be kind of the going the going rate, thirty to forty euro, for waterproof
1: shoes, runners, okay. And, and okay, shoes. okay, listen, yeah.
6: So then you go on to the the infamous voluntary. Um, contributions that, that families are, are required to pay. Um, again, voluntary is the word, but quite often they're not, but what, what we have seen, um, especially last year, is that voluntary contributions are being tied into book schemes. So if you don't pay the contribution, you don't get
1: the book. How much the book. is the contribution?
6: Um, our school will range from anything from 50 up to, so I suppose over the years, um, my children for my children i've paid 60 65 40 again it depends on the class that they're in because these contributions will include things like art and craft pupil insurance photocopying a homework journal which again is, is a completely pointless item as far as i'm concerned you'll have online programs and things like that so that's what the and if you don't
1: pay that contribution, you don't get the book scheme. Okay, All
6: right. that's what a lot of schools are doing. now. Okay, so that's we're
1: right. we're we're adding up nicely there. Go ahead.
6: So, um, as I suppose, then you have your, your coats and, and your school bags and things to get to get the children back to school. Again, they'll vary. Um, I suppose you could put fifty euro down there per child for sundries, like or like things like that. Um, and I suppose if you go into the day-to-day running costs, an average of two fifty. Per child per lunch over 183 school days. That's roughly about 450, 460. You per got,
1: child per but year. you got, You have to feed them anyway, like, but I know, I know oh, what yes, you're but saying.
6: But as I said, you know, if, if you're putting, uh, just, I suppose that's where the Zurich um, survey is. They signed, added
1: that so. in, yeah, okay, yes. yeah.
6: They yeah. would have added in the cost, as I said, it's not something that would impact on, on me here where my children tend, but the cost of school buses or transporting children to school that would be um, something that would also be added in so that's where Zurich are getting their, their,
1: their 1,300 per primary child yeah, yeah so per year so then yeah. you're
6: looking
7: at um, so so clothing event, lunches like,
1: books school supplies uh, voluntary contributions shoes mm-hmm. transport etc cetera, etc cetera. they come in at a lifetime cost to a primary child a mother a father whatever the case may be 10 and a half grand for primary per child per, oh yeah per, per child. child yeah, yeah yeah yeah,
6: yeah. Yeah, so, um, and again, as I said, every single year we visit this, um, but nothing is happening. Um, in East Cork here, as I said, w- you know, we have a good community. There's, there's a lot of community groups. Um, two Local Ladies started a, a back-to-school campaign. And um, again, it's just a Facebook um, platform where people can kind of donate items that they're finished with or they don't use. Um, I know that local Cork charity, Feed Cork, they do stationary packs. For, for families who need them, but really the National Parents' Council um, and the Department of Education really need to, to pull their socks up here. Um, the National Parents' Council are supposed to be a representative group for parents. They're paid by the government. Every single parent in every single school is paying to be part of a National Parents' Council um, group if, if the school parent association chooses to affiliate with them. But there's continuous silence
1: from the National Parents Council. Is, is it um, time, do you think, to just get rid of all school uniforms and the pressure that they bring? Or would yes. getting... But think about this now. If you get rid of school uniforms, you get into the fashion police where kids are looking at each other's of, styles. I don't and criticizing somebody because they don't have the latest runners or, or the funkiest, you know, pair of trousers or jeans or what have you.
6: No, I definitely don't think it's time to get rid of school uniforms. School uniforms, as you said, for all of those reasons are brilliant. But we need to get rid of this historic, like the majority of schools, they have the same school uniform for 30, 40, even 50 years. You know, the days of needing crested, what is the need for crested uniforms? What is the need for items that can only be purchased in one single yeah, shop? Yeah,
1: why not just buy the crest? And also, no disrespect well, what, to I'm not naming any school, not, Yeah, I'm not naming any schools on this, but some of the colours of some of the uniforms are atrocious, aren't they? Horrendous.
6: Horrendous. horrendous. And these sports, sports jackets and rain jackets that are needed, what, what's the need for it? You know, we constantly... Here and fully, I fully agree with schools and principals who are underfunded by the state. Yes, they completely are underfunded, but it's the families that are constantly being hit
1: okay, to okay. cover the cost. Well, thank you for drilling um, in. Thank you for drilling into the academic side of it and the cost. But can I just ask you how how has life changed in your family with regards to coming in on budget and paying bills? What are the changes have you had have you had to make with regards to light or heat or fuel or food or or indeed, luxury items and things. Any?
6: Well, definitely, you're dipping into your savings, and I don't... If, you, if you're lucky enough to have savings, um, like, for, for working parents, it really isn't really worth it at the end of the week or at the end of the month when you're getting the paycheck going to work, because, you know, what's the benefit? You're better off staying at home. The more you work in this country, the more you're penalised. Yeah, um, I mean, have you and they had to... And
1: have you had to relook at things like worries about, about Christmas or, or birthdays or family yeah. get-togethers or holidays? There's always
6: going to be something, yeah. And like, as I said, we need local politicians and local councillors. We've one local councillor here in East Cork, Councillor Danielle Toomey, and she's always vocal um, for families. But, you know, government and, and TDs and, as I said, the National Parents Council. I'd love if you would invite one of the National Parents Council mm-hmm. representatives to come on the air um, so that we can actually get an understanding of what exactly they are doing for families and children in school.
1: And I have bad news for you if you didn't already know it, but the cost of petrol and diesel has started to climb again. Is now right. back up again, you're just under the two euro again now. It had dropped down into the one hundred eighties, back up again and it's destined to keep rising apparently.
6: And mortgage costs again, as I said, and I spoke to you previously about um, derelict properties, we've we've local authorities now t- considering increasing property tax, yet ignoring <laughs> the ever-growing issue of derelict properties.
1: And you won't be surprised you know. when I tell you that Cork City Council I know it doesn't cover you because you're in the county but the amount of money they collect collected in fines for derelict properties uh, it's tiny, it's absolutely exactly. tiny. I mean, and there's it,
6: a whole lot of money that both Cork County and Cork City Councils can tap into there, but again it's because who owns these buildings. That's why they won't get go near them. So it's always going to be the middle class, the working class, those who don't have time to go out and protest yeah, I know. we're the people that are going to get hit constantly
1: yeah busy getting up in the morning as a fellow says yeah i heard that and one keeping before a, yeah.
6: keeping keeping a roof
1: over our heads. thanks ali let me do some text thanks. on this text 0868 104 the lady on with neil now talking about voluntary contributions from my school my child's school it's 250 euro that for us is a huge expense and i mentioned that is that voluntary contribution then per child then imagine it probably would be yes that lady is probably finding it tough but come on you can buy good nike runners in elvery sports online buy one and get the other at half price i did it for my twins in fifth class i got two pairs for 40 euro you just have to be clever and watch for bargains keep those texts coming text 0868104106 jim good morning hey, how are you boy Welcome good my back. man thank you thank you nice to be back what's on your mind
5: Uh, we're just talking about properties there and the price of properties and the young people not being able to afford a home. And I I just felt that maybe there's a government um, policy here to make sure that people stay in rented properties. Um, If you work out, if the average house is 400,000 and you have a mortgage, and we say, for instance, that costs you 600,000 in the life of the mortgage over the 30 years, like the bank doesn't pay, pays very little tax on that because they reinvest that money. And so very little goes back to the exchequer. But if you're on the same property, paying the same amount of money in rent over the same period, um, like that's 620,000 or something like that, half that at least goes back on tax. So it pays the government now to keep everybody renting. Like, the the government want to be mad now for people to buy houses. There's so much money in it for them, you know? And uh, this money isn't even ring-fenced then to go back into... So if
1: you're renting a 400,000 euro property... Uh, as opposed to owning it, or there's no, property. Ta- there's no tax. Property. There's no tax in the owning of it, but over 30 years of rental, that 400 thousand euro property will cost you 620 grand.
8: Well well,
5: we'll or, or approximately. No on interest rates, and, and of which so the form. government
1: take nearly half that in tax.
5: Well, no. With the, the bank, if the bank, if you have a mortgage, and the bank is is, is lending the money to you, the bank will reinvest there their profit that they'll make off you. And and so the, yeah, but so the
1: point being that there's tax in it for the government for rental, there's no tax in it for the government. Exactly,
5: before. exactly, you know. Yeah. And and I suppose the other thing we want to really take notice now of is that the government are pushing ahead with all the social housing. You can see it around the place, right? There's nothing but social housing schemes being built, right? And we're leaving behind all the young people again. They're not going to be able to buy houses. We've, we, we've ignored them. The, you know, we haven't even done a a building site. The council haven't put any plans together so the workers can even build their own houses, you know, um, even sites. There's a big site up here now in, in Blackpool, 650 houses going in there, all social housing. Crazy. We're forgetting about the workers. The workers are getting nothing. You know, the young people are getting nothing. So if you go to work in the morning, you're crazy. You won't get a house. So get the home.
1: 650 that are being built, who'll get them?
5: Well, if, what do you mean to say? Of course, you know well who'll get them. Ukrainians, will get them for the start. Does anyone that you know that's, that's not working will qualify for us? Anyone that it, it's social housing, it's it's if you're disabled you get it. Well, most people will be entitled, but that's the that's the scheme. But it won't be workers. It won't be the girl that's working in supercoin or Super Supermax or, Super or anything. It won't be the ordinary worker that's, that's, that's keeping the whole economy going. They'll get nothing they won't be able to even raise a child. So are you, are you're you kind of are you kind, sort? of
1: allu- you're kind of alluding that the less you do in this country, the more you'll actually get as a reward. Is that a surprise to you? Um, no, it's, it's it's not a surprise. But I just find that it can kind of, that can be a very generalized comment. You know, it, it it's not one cap fits all. It
9: is, it is. what
1: it is. You, you, you do know you do know that a proportion of those people in social housing are working. They're on crap wages, but they are working.
5: Exactly, I'm very aware of that as well. But there's, there's, there's a double issue there. The money is terrible. I mean, the minimum wage. This is happening with the nurses. Need they're do, they double jobbing. We're losing nurses going abroad because they're doing two jobs here, and then they're expected to go to the. They're expected to go to work and, and give it hundred percent. They can't.
1: What was you paying now for a, a three bedroom semi um, in the suburbs or in a satellite village? You three hundred and twenty. Ah, uh, you paid three eighty. All day long, Glamire 380, 380
5: You would, you 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 would. At, I, was at, I, was looking,
1: I was looking at rental prices then because uh, I have some stats on how rent has gone up in the last 10, 10 years. There's a, a three-bedroom uh, semi-D on the Skahard Road now for rent for 210,000 a month. Uh, the yeah. Model Farm Road, three-bed, uh, 2300 for rent. So that's,
5: so that's madness.
1: Uh, Three-bedroom in Black Rock, 1977. Roachestown, 1729. The Lock, a three-bed, one-bathroom, 1875 a month. There you go.
5: There's nobody can, no, nobody can pay Isn't that to what gonna end up insane? People will be splitting houses. You'll have one family upstairs. And one family don't. This is like something that was going on in the 50s in the slums in the city. The corporation and the, and the government has brought us right back to that. And they keep telling them, oh, you, we have a great heart. All the foreigners are coming in here. Look after your heart. Look after yourself and your kids.
1: First. Yeah, but you know, you know that these foreigners that you go on with, they, they're working here. here. May, might be, they might be driving up rental properties because they are here, but they are working here and renting properties.
5: Neil, my, my argument is that the government are making no effort on the Irish, none. They're making no effort on the worker, the young worker, but they're making loads of effort on the foreigners. Loads. There's oh. no point you say to me every time that uh, we got a mind of foreigners and they're working, so is the Irish. You, even, a, even to be fair, they'll get a 50-50 basis. We're not even doing that. For rental or for purchase
1: or for free houses, which?
5: There's no authority for everything, Neil. So Most of the kids are going back home to their mother and father. This is why there's properties coming up for rent. Look at, you, you know, kids who are 25, they're going back even 30, they're going back, or if they get married, they're going back to their parents' house. That's listen. This, there's this, this a silent cry. Like, uh, we're, we're in crisis in this country with housing and, and, and with the government and the response to the young people. There's a humanitarian crisis in houses here for our own Irish, and it's been ignored by the government. Are we crazy? Look, the men are going to do nothing here, unless the women get out on the street. And stand up. They won't be able to feed their families or raise their families. The men are useless. It's up to the women to sort
1: us out. Men are useless. Get women to sort it out. Okay. uh, There's an interesting by-story to this, actually. You talk about um, uh, sons and daughters going back to live with parents. There's an article in the Echo today from OSS, you know, the one-stop shop for domestic violence, Mary Curley's organisation. The Echo article said that they are um, sending out a warning that the housing crisis is contributing to elder abuse they're dealing with elderly people who are being subjected to very poor treatment at the hands of their adult children who've gone back to live with them. That's pretty frightening. You know
5: Neil makes a change from the government on the term. I know, but um, it's... We have a thing with care choice there, like where we put all people in homes, and then the houses are empty, and the, all is the benefiting there is the government and the care choice homes. We no, all know it's a crime. No,
1: I know that, but Deborah Flynn is saying that many parents are tolerating disturbing behaviour to avoid seeing their children end up on the street. They're just putting yeah. up with an awful lot of I don't know, grief, I suppose. Living, living in fear of their son or their daughter
5: it's terrible
1: well that's not happening in my house my youngsters. keep hugging they don't keep, hug me they don't hug me but. keep the hugging going alright okay. <laughs> never too late to start hugging your kids Jim <laughs> take care cheers <laughs> text pick up the phone on 0818104106 I was looking on Twitter there uh, yesterday and I came across a really interesting thread when it comes to cost of living and I will come back to some more texts on these just as an example of some of the texts incidentally no cash now for coal so no heating on no sp- spare cash in my bag so I can't pay the taxi to get to the bus that gets me all my medical appointments. Uh, The list is endless and the worry and the stress is even bigger. Uh, A lot of low days, and I know there are thousands like me, no money in the pocket. My friends who have cash, two cars and going on foreign holidays just haven't a clue what it's like for me. It's a different world. I, on top of everything, have serious health issues. Uh, Another one here, what little savings I had are just about gone. I make the same amount of money, but my costs have gone up 30% in the last year. Thank God it was a relatively mild winter as I managed to get by heating-wise. If we ever have a bad winter, I'm in big trouble. Uh, Morning, When when you can't afford to buy a chicken and bacon in Aldi, then you know you're in trouble. You know there's something wrong. And we've been shopping in an alley for years through necessity. I came across an interesting story that was told yesterday. And I can't say for any 100% certainty if what the person was telling me was actually happening or not. But they claimed that in a supermarket, they witnessed a woman taking um, regular eggs out of the box and putting the free-range eggs into the regular box to get free-range eggs at the price of regular eggs. I don't know whether that was just out of greed, meanness, um, or indeed necessity but apparently it happened over the weekend in a cork supermarket with all that in mind and lots more besides i'm joined by katrina redmond uh, who's a food writer with the irish examiner and writes a blog called wholesome Ar- wholesome com, and is a member of of the food guide and she was jumping in on a conversation regarding uh, cost of living and cost of living increases and she joins me by phone katrina good morning katrina can you hear me okay
10: Yes, I can. Good morning.
1: Thanks so much for taking the call. And and I read your thread with an awful lot of interest because, I don't know, did somebody actually at some stage say, if you're struggling with cost of living increases, buy own brand.
10: They have. And i got to tell you, it got my goat. Isn't it very and
1: demeaning to say, it's like eat cake, isn't it?
10: Well, it, there's the undercurrent, the underlining, underlying suggestion is that your predicament, your problem with not being able to afford your shopping basket is down to your poor budgeting and your poor shopping skills and if you only went out and you bought own brand food, well then it would all be sorted but that's not the case I mean the cost of inflation is, is going through the roof and it's affecting families who have lower disposable income than everybody else it's affecting them extremely hard So they're
1: already doing the own brand and shopping frugally and smartly
10: Absolutely, like families who don't have a huge amount of disposable income for whatever reason, be it mortgage, rent, the cost of childcare, the whole lot lumped in together and then having to put fuel in the car to get to work, um, they are really, really becoming more and more hard-pressed because these inflationary increases on food, on energy, are affecting them worse. Um, If you think of it, I don't know whether it would be easier to think of it like if you come home after tax with €500 a week, this and you need a full tank of car to get you a full tank of fuel in the car to get you to and from work in the space of a week, so five days a week. This time last year, that full tank would have cost you about sixty-five euro. This year, that tank costs you ninety-eight euro. Mm, the vast mm. majority of people don't have an increase. In yeah, wages. or or, a, one, or
1: a one-way local <laughs> transport ticket in two thousand and twelve <laughs> would have cost you one seventy. Now it's two sixty.
10: Well, there have been some reductions in local in, in, in local transport, but um that's only a small drop in the ocean compared to the increase in the price of energy prices. So, you know, your heating oil, your heating gas, your electricity that you have to use to run the house, you've got to find the money for to pay that as well. And it's all coming from an ever dwindling pot because we're not getting Pay increases. We're not getting increases in social welfare payments, and in particular for families who are living on um, payments like disability allowance, and families who are, you know, depending on social welfare payments. Where do you get the money? And the answer is, and the very short answer is, families are going hungry. And now the temperature has increased. We're coming into summer. Families aren't necessarily going cold, but if this is not resolved before we get to next winter, families are going to die from either cold or hunger. And that sounds absolutely stark, and it sounds like I'm scaremongering, and am you only not. This is something that I'm hugely concerned about.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, just on the issue that we started with, regards to the branded and the, own, and, and the unbranded or the own brand, there's very little difference in the product now. So there's not. I mean, if you, if you put a plate of each in front of me to eat, I wouldn't really know the difference. Like, it, like year, it years was. ago, you would have avoided them because was, uh, uh, not the ingredients and then are bad or they're, it's just not made as well. But that isn't the case anymore, is it?
10: Well, it, no, it isn't. And if you remember back in the day when Quinsworth brought it in, it was all the yellow pack. Yellow pack
1: this and white can that. You yeah.
10: know, yeah, yeah. And it used to be very, very poor quality. And then as the German discounted retailers came in, Lidl and Aldi, that was when an awful lot more people started buying own-brand food because they realised that the quality is pretty much the same. There's very little difference between the two. What's the difference between an own-brand pint milk and a... Some
1: suggest that that the unbranded or the, as you call it, the yellow pack is watered-down milk and others believe that the flour isn't milled as well in the comparable bags. You know that kind of thing?
11: Well, I like
10: everybody has their own personal preference, but when it comes down to it and you only have a small amount of money to feed your family for the week, all of those preferences, like it's not, it doesn't taste as good to me or the flour isn't as good to me. They don't even come into the equation when you're deciding how to feed your family, because you've got to feed your family. You've got to find the food within the budget you've got. So you've got to go to the own branch. You don't have a choice. And often people would say, oh, well, you know, um, Maybe I'm just not all that good at budgeting. Maybe, you know, I I just can't get my supermarket shop down. But actually, when you don't have all that much money, you don't have a choice. You've got to find a way to pay. Do
1: you ever study the trolleys, though, that particularly the ones that would be full of fast food or frozen or processed, which don't fill you up, incidentally, and you're hungry or a child will be hungry again? Whereas a wholesome meal with a lot of batch cooking, I don't mean to sound condescending, is really the way to go, isn't it?
10: Well, I appreciate what you're saying. But the thing is, is that families who are living on a budget, they don't necessarily have the money or the equipment to cook. So, for example, the cost of a lasagna um, off of the shelf in a supermarket, while it might not be as good for you, and I agree, it is better for you to batch cook and make it yourself. The cost of it when it comes to the cost of running the energy to run your oven to heat it up and also the time it takes to cook it and the energy it takes to cook it, it is actually cheaper and it's more economical to take it off the shelf. And that's really where where families make these, these decisions. Safe food, which is the Irish authority, you know, um, tasked with teaching us and helping us all to eat well, also say the same. So what they say is, families make these decisions and they buy these foods because they don't want food waste. They want to buy food that they know their family are going to eat. You know, they can't afford food waste. So if they've got the choice between giving the kids a pizza that they're absolutely going to eat or maybe cooking them something else that they're possibly going to have to throw out because their kids aren't going to eat it and They'll eat it if they're hungry, they oxygen.
1: used to say years ago, Katrina. I, and, I, and, and,
10: and, and I hear what you're saying, but I, this is a very, very emotive issue. Feeding your family is hugely, hugely emotive. And people feel passionately about feeding their family. And when you're on a budget, you get very little comfort from what you're doing you get very little comfort from you don't get to go out on activities you don't get cinema trips you don't bring your kids to birthday parties you don't because you A you can't afford the birthday present and B you can't afford to reciprocate Um, you don't go out for drinks so often this comfort comes from comfort food and I'd never judge a family for putting a couple of convenience items into the supermarket trolley because at the end of the day you're choosing to feed your family on a budget Um, and, Mm -hmm. and, and I know it is Better to cook from scratch, and I agree it is, but when you have very little space in your head, when you're your collar is pinned to the wall when you don't have very much money you get bogged down by something called mental load so you're stressing all the time about money you're stressing about clothing the kids you're stressing about putting fuel in the car to get to work or maybe to get to the supermarket you're stressing about paying the bills are we going to get evicted because I can't afford the rent is the bank going to come after me because I can't afford to pay the mortgage and sometimes you get um, very often actually you end up with this massive mental load where you don't actually have the space to think about cooking I
1: know but the mental load is also important with regard. As to the food that we're feeding our children, and it shouldn't be pizza, and it shouldn't be chicken nuggets, and it shouldn't be frozen food.
10: I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I agree that it is because oh,
1: you didn't know, see that headline last week. Obesity is now the new norm.
10: Well, you see, this is all full of loading us all up with an awful lot more guilt. You're feeding your family on a budget. You're struggling to put the food on the table. So let's now load up more guilt. Let's load up families with worrying about obesity. Let's load up families with worrying about sustainability and higher welfare and more ethical foods, which is why, I guess, you mentioned that a reader saw somebody swapping out the free-range eggs for the regular eggs in in the box so they could get them for cheaper. Because when you're on a budget, higher welfare and ethical foods just don't even oh, no, I'm not. I'm stuff. not
1: judging. There's probably a reason why, and it could have been out of. Yeah. Well, I mean, would it be out of necessity if it was out of necessity you go for the non-organic, wouldn't you? I mean, clearly you're trying to tie one on, I suppose. <sighs> well,
10: yeah, I would. I, I would. I would agree with you there. Wh- all right. But I- the,
1: but a real reality for me is you're saying that there are parents now who are not sending their son or daughter to a schoolmate's birthday present because they haven't got the price of the birthday. God.
11: Absolutely.
10: And, and and I know that that might shock you, but I'm saying that from a place of personal experience, because seven years ago, before I started back up working as the kids got a little bit older, those are the decisions I was making. I, I declined every single birthday party invitation for my kids because I didn't have the money. How do you explain to it to them,
1: Katrina, though?
10: I just wouldn't tell the kids that they were invited or I'd say that we had something else on. And I felt absolutely dreadful. And um, mortified Uh, just absolutely like in in a really terrible place I'd hang back at the school gates from picking the kids up and see all the other mothers there and be fearful of going up to talk to them because they were so nice and they'd all want to go for coffee and I didn't have the money in my purse to go for a coffee because I had to keep the money for paying for whatever we needed in the house. My God. Um, and, and, they, and, and these are the decisions that families are making yeah. at the moment. And, yeah. I, and I don't want you to think, you know, that people are, you know, willy-nilly chucking pizzas and ready lasagnas and chicken nuggets and chips into, in, into their... Into their um, into their trolleys but these are the kind of decisions that families are making and when i'm talking about this i'm talking about it from personal experience Yes, I know. i've been there yeah. and i know what it's like
1: so a school trip summer would be would be a nightmare for many families wouldn't it um, like some of them could yeah, be crazy ones school, skiing skiing overseas kind of stuff i don't know if oh, those they days
11: are send, they, they're
10: still going and and they just wouldn't send them they'd Come up with the reason that the child couldn't go, and and they're big trips. But at the moment we're into school tour season, and school tours are costing ranging between fifteen euro if you're going local to as much as fifty euro if you're going on a bus outside of the town. And you know that's a lot of money to come up with, and um, it's a one day trip. and how do you explain to your child that they can't go on their school tour?
1: So what practical advice finally can you offer then, having indeed been through many of the struggles that people are going through now?
10: So uh, the first thing I would say is that there is strength in numbers and I really feel that people should should know, that one, that they're not on their own and that people need to listen and the first thing I want people to do is to contact their public representative and ask them what they're doing about this cost of living crisis. Because we're coming into the summer, as I said, the heat is coming up. Um, and people tend to be an awful lot happier in the summer. When we get and they'll forget to what's November, yeah. They will forget. Yeah. Yeah. When we get to, to, to October, November, that's when the crunch is going to hit. The price of food is steadily increasing I- incrementally, but in particular dairy over the last couple of weeks. I track this every week in the Irish Examiner in my column on a Saturday morning. So do check it out online. But the price of dairy has increased incrementally and all other prices are beginning to go up. So we need to be onto our public representatives hammering down the door saying, this is a problem, we need you to come up with a a solution. Because the government have already admitted that their inflationary measures are not going to compensate us entirely for the rise of inflation. And as this continues, it's going to get more and more difficult for people. So that would be the first thing. Don't be alone and contact your public representatives. Don't be afraid to tell them that, you know, tell them anonymously that you're struggling Or tell them that somebody in your community is struggling. And I always say that your disposable income is what you depend on. So you might be living in a very well-to-do area, but your next-door neighbour could be living in a lovely house. But they could also have, you know, they could be paying nursing home fees for a family member or Mm. childcare fees, a big mortgage. They could really be struggling just as much as somebody in a council house. It doesn't matter where you live. You could still be struggling. So offer help. To your, fr- to your friends and, and neighbours. Don't even, you know, ask them if they're struggling. Say, listen, I'm going to the shop. Would you come with me? Can we carpool? Um, I hate going shopping on my own. Can we share these shopping vouchers? Mm, mm. Um, I'm batch cooking. How, how about we cook together? Or would you like to borrow my slow cooker for a couple of days so you could batch up a couple of things? Or um, do you want to drop the kids over so they can play in the garden? Mm. And that way your neighbour can you know, maybe a taking
1: lo- time out to cook. A lot of that sounds off. like things that were done traditionally many years ago and were taken for it. granted. Do you ever um, wonder why the ESB made over a billion euro last year or board gashed nearly 800 million and we're all going uh, through this kind of stuff?
10: I, I just, I I, I just, I wonder, I, I, it's not just about the profits because... because And, you know, that's how business works. Every business has to make profit. Everybody has to use energy. Everybody has to eat food. But I really wonder, you know, why we're in this position when the government has seen this coming. And and how I can't see a way that we're going to get out of this. And I'm so, so concerned about families in the next year ahead because I can see us heading into another recession. And personally, I really, really struggled during the recession exceedingly so and I don't want to see other families go through. Well
1: thank you for your honesty and your openness good to chat with you, perhaps we'll chat in the future uh, Katrina Redmond, food writer with the Irish Examiner, you can follow her on Saturday's Examiner every single week, text 0868104106 if you've got a contribution to make, love to hear from you pick up the phone 0818104106
0: Get it off your chest text the Neil Brinderville show now
1: 0868104106 Red FM And I'll come back to those texts in a few minutes time so do text 08 08- Eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Sarah Good morning. Can you hear me all right, Sarah William up, up, I'll just give you back Sarah there so she can sort out that phone line. in the meantime, I'll talk to Mary Mary, good morning
9: Hi, Neil are you in Perfect trouble? Are you in
1: trouble you. because of your bank account, which won't be your bank account anymore, is it?
12: Yes, I actually have a track of mortgage for Ulster Bank, and I'm going to my regular bank the last I say two months asking about it. Where are they going to be moving? Or I mean, they're closing down the what Bank, but I'd be moving to. Yeah, because Ulster Bank will go, and who's them. going
1: to get their business?
12: Well, I've been told by one person in the Ulster Bank that it's supposed to be permanent TSB. Yeah. Then when I go back, they're saying they don't know yet.
1: No. So they exit the market people, as a bank here in September, uh, and your tracker mortgage will be protected, won't it?
12: We don't know because we got told that basically that. Not many banks take tracker mortgages anymore. So that's their problem. Like they're saying that if permanent TSB take over the Ulster Bank, that they're taking the normal mortgages. And what difference would,
1: let's say it was a normal mortgage, because we're talking about cost of living at the moment, right? So this is very valid uh, to you. What difference would that make to you with regards to mortgage repayments if you went from tracker to normal? Have you worked it out?
12: Oh, it'd be half the price. I mean, it'd be double the price, sorry. I just say, like some people might pay a tracker mortgage on, say, a hundred thousand to one hundred and ten. They could be paying seven hundred to seven fifty a month. But a normal mortgage, you could pay up to fifteen hundred a month to sixteen hundred. That is a big step, like
1: per one hundred thousand, it would double. Yeah. So on an annual basis, have you calculated how much that would be?
12: So, like at the moment, for say about a hundred thousand. Some people could pay seven hundred a month, but if that doesn't go ahead, like if we can't get our track of mortgage back with another bank, we could be paying up to maybe fifteen hundred to
6: okay.
1: sixteen hundred a
6: month. Okay. Okay. And just double the price.
1: And, and a lot of people have substantially more than a hundred thousand euro mortgages. Yeah. Yeah.
12: Yes. Yeah. So if people have like two hundred thousand, they could be paying like going from maybe a thousand a month up to three thousand a month. And you is
1: know? that a, is that I mean you're, are you justifiably worried that that might actually happen?
12: Yes, yes, indeed. Like, we're getting no information whatsoever. Like, and after phoning the Ultra Bank mortgage crowd, and they're just saying, Oh, you receive a letter in the post about it. i am been hearing back for the last, they say, two and a half, three months. I feel like I've gone from pillar to post. And like, we were going to say, Okay, like, everything's coming out of our uh, Ulster Bank, like, between the mortgage or bills, house insurance, car insurance. Etc. And then I said, okay, maybe we transfer them over to maybe Bank of Ireland, AIB, but then maybe AIB might not take our tracker mortgage, so we have to take everything back out. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: If you lose the tracker mortgage, it will du- you figure it will double your mortgage repayments. There's no yes. point call- calling permanent TSB and asking them. Is it? Yes. Do you think there's so any point? So. You don't, You did you try that?
7: Well, we went,
12: I went to the Ulster Bank and I asked them, but they said, like, hardly no hardly no banks are taking on tracker mortgages that so we have to basically wait till Ulster Bank tell us it's the bottom line, whether we get another track of mortgage. I asked them then, if we don't, will the Ulster Bank pay some of the mortgage off? They said they don't know. And that will take time to decide. So we actually don't know where we stand, near.
1: Would you be no, able to would you be able to continue to pay the mortgage if you lost the tracker?
12: No. That's the problem. Like that's the first reason. Why we got a tracker mortgage. Do you know?
1: God, that's a serious worry, isn't it? Like, I hope that.
12: Like like say if it was just say like if it was $700, 800 and it went up to a thousand, yes, but I mean like not up to fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred a month. That's crazy. That's double months we were paying
1: but can you there's no way in this world as we live in now that you can just go to another bank because they're mad keen to get business banks and say to them i'm happy to move my mortgage if you take over my mortgage from ulster bank as long as you give me my tracker mortgage
12: we're going to try that but like from what i got told from the ulster bank that not, not many not many banks to take an the tracker mortgages that's the problem because as far as we know, permanent TSB is supposed to be taking over the Ulster Bank but normal mortgages, but they won't take over tracker mortgages, is what I'm being told. So, I don't know where we actually stand.
1: You must be very worried about that.
12: It is, it is indeed, do you know?
1: Because clearly you're worried that you could lose your home.
12: Yes, yes. Okay. And I've... they have plenty of time to decide because, like, everybody knew they kind of decided this decision about a year ago. Do you know, and like, we're going into the
1: kind of June. I mean, I would have thought that legally y- you'd be in a very strong position, that this is a legal document that you signed. Mind you, you signed it with Ulster Bank. I understand that, yeah, but yeah. that it's Ulster Bank. If they want to walk away from the agreement that they have with you, which is a binding agreement, that they have to honour it when they give it to somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Well, we hope
12: so. Do you know, but it's just at the moment, Neil, we're not getting nowhere with them, so... Okay, let's see. Would you actually make a phone call or. For sure and certain, I certainly will
1: at midday and see if I can get some information on it. But also, you never know who might be listening, might be in a similar scenario to you, and might have some more relevant, updated information to share with us, all right? Yes, that'd
6: be great. Okay, okay. Much appreciated.
1: Okay, Mary, okay, take care for now. All right, cheers. Anybody, any further information on that? Going from a tracker with Ulster to another bank when Ulster Bank pull out? Um, are you hearing that you could lose the tracker mortgage? Anyway, text on that, text 0868104106. Sarah, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Neil? There you are now. I'm here. I heard you were very angry earlier on. You've calmed down a little bit, have you?
7: Oh, I'm very angry, very angry. Welcome back,
1: number one. Thank you, thank you.
7: And we missed you. Thank and you. So what I'd like to actually say is I'm going to revert back to the man that was on earlier on and to say to him what he said is the pure truth. I'll make this very short You're and talking brief. about was,
1: Jim, is it? Okay, yeah, go ahead.
7: Yes. I'd like to make this short and sweet. Why can't you have Michal Martin on? Yeah, to I ask do. him directly what exactly is happening to our small island isle of Ireland. This man appears to me, to just, uh, he obviously wants to appear very, very superior in the EU, and obviously he's thinking of himself, getting a nice job, or becoming President of Ireland. I mean, this, this government is just a laugh. And why are the people of Ireland not getting out and doing something about this situation? And what,
1: and what should we this, be doing something about? Is it the cost of living, is it?
7: It's the cost of living. Why do we have a cost of living? Why are we so begrudging towards our own people and not giving them what they want. They're the people, the people of Ireland are paying the Irish government. We have a situation in this country whereby Michal Martin and company are having a great laugh. He, this situation don't get me wrong about Ukrainian people. They have to go somewhere. They have to be somewhere to get out of their situation, but surely to God, are we the only country? Why are we getting so involved in all of this? Are we the only country that Sarah, really Sarah, is Sarah, paved Sarah, Sarah. with gold? In,
1: in, Listen, in times of struggle and strife, we always look for someone to blame. You're blaming the Ucra- Ukrainians. Agree. It's not the Ukrainians. No, I'm not blaming not. the
7: Ukrainians at all. I'm not blaming the Ukrainians at all. Please understand that. I am blaming the government, the Irish government. The Irish government have a tendency to forget about where they actually are being fed by the Irish people, the taxpayers. They're the people that should look after their own. We should be first. The young people of this country have no homes. They can't afford them. There's no future for them. What in the name of God is this government doing, doing neglecting? actually neglecting their own people and just, I don't know what it's all about. It's, it's so confusing right now for I me. Understand, I, I the
1: understand some of the frustrations when we look at the cost of rental properties in Europe. Uh, you look at any of mm. the cities I know a lot of them have lower standards of living and pay lower wages than we do. I get all of that. But you, you would pay substantially less uh, to rent a property in your Portugals and your Italys and your Spain and France and countries like that. And when you go over to Eastern Europe, even less again. Now. And we're a little island nation here and it's exorbitantly high. I,
7: don't I think you're missing the point. And the point I'm trying to actually say is what is wrong with our government? Why are they not capping this situation? We are a small island. We cannot afford all that's being given out of the taxpayer's pocket. This has to stop now, once and for all this country is going to go into a very bad i'm getting bad the recession. feeling though
1: that you're talking about closing the borders
7: i'm the, i'm actually talking about reconstructing this government's attitude to or, towards the irish situation the irish people situation i'm talking about young people with no future i'm talking about hospitals that are full to capacity i'm talking about people that the so people coming in, it's not it's not normal. What is this all about?
1: Okay, okay, hold on, hold on it's there. I may, I'm, out, I'm out of time for now. I may well pick up on this conversation with you and others besides after eleven. Text 868104106 eight one zero four one zero six. I'm Rory and I'm
2: Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local, national, and international sports every weekend on the Big Red Bench.
9: That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from six on Corks Red
0: FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil friendville Show.
1: And can I remind you again of our welling giveaway in association with Cork Airport. All you got to do, and it's only a paragraph or two, is to share with me your most memorable holiday moment. It could be anything. It could be a memory from your childhood and I was thinking a lot about this and many of mine are indeed memories. Not of my childhood but of holidays I had when the kids were small and places we went to. So it could be funny, sad, embarrassing, everything and anything in between but just your most memorable holiday moment. You can text 086- 8104106 or email neil at redfm.ie and I'm mad keen to share them. What you will win? Well, we'll have a qualifier every day and on Friday somebody will win a fantastic City Break to Paris With return flights for two from Cork uh, to Paris with Vueling Airlines. Now, there's a lot more to this than just two flights on an airplane, although it's a fabulous airline. I traveled on it myself last week. So, we've got hotel accommodation for you in Paris for two nights for both of you. You'll also get a 200 euro voucher for the loop at Cork Airport. You can spend it there, 200 euro. And you will wait in the Aspire Executive Lounge at Cork Airport. And oh, drive to the airport, please, because there's free parking. For the duration of your trip away. So that's a fantastic city break to Paris with return flights and all of the trimmings, courtesy of ourselves, Cork Airport and Welling Airlines. And Cork Airport continues to go uh, from strength to strength in spite of the two years of the sea stuff, COVID. They have 40 scheduled routes uh, serving. Eight different airlines right across the summer. And it's a great place to travel out of. No matter what you say about it, you don't want to be having to go to Dublin or to Shannon. You want to be going in and out of Cork Airport. It's just so, so handy. So get texting on that. Text 0868 and share your most memorable holiday moment or memory. Call
0: the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM.
1: Okay, back to the phone lines in a second, but good news for anybody that's got a tracker mortgage and is moving from the Ulster Bank when they get rid of their business and give them to other banks. Apparently, they can't touch your tracker mortgage. Here's some examples of that. Please tell that woman on air with Neil uh, that's on about her tracker mortgage that they cannot touch it and another bank has to take it when Ulster Bank leave, says Noel. Thank you for that. Another one from Anne says, none of these banks are offering um, tra- tracker mortgages. A tracker mortgages uh, the ECB rate plus 1%. These banks are selling off their own products and giving what they feel like. So it's not a tracker mortgage. Um, the woman should take no for an answer and go straight to Michael McGrath or Hall Martin. Good luck with that. But anyway, it's, it, it is good news because they can't touch it. I had a tracker with the National Irish Bank. They sold out to a Dutch bank and they could not break the contract once you don't break your tracker, they can't break it either. Tracker mortgages have been sold on twice and binding and cannot be broken. I'm now with the Vulture Bank, Pepper Bank, and they too have to honour the tracker mortgage, says Denise. So there you go. At least I think you can now sleep a little more soundly with the tracker that you have from Ulster Bank. When you move, you won't be kicked off the tracker um, because it's a contract that cannot be broken as long as you don't break it. I mean, you wouldn't want to miss... A month's mortgage repayment—that's the one thing. Lots of the text on that, and lots more besides. So at least that's some consolation. Back to the phone lines. We go, Cyril. Good morning. Hello, Neil. Right, uh, cost of living issues like that. Go ahead.
9: Yeah, it was, uh, I was just saying there to your researcher that, like me, Harold Martin is going to walk away with a pension of fourteen hundred euros a week
1: when he finishes politics. And you can stand over that figure now without me having to it's, check it. It's yeah?
9: actually Freedom Information, Good man. Thank it's you. On the, it's on the Rock site. That's all I want to know. That's where I got it from. All right, okay. And that that his pension costs the state five million euros over its lifetime. His pension pot paid for by the state. Yeah, all his right. pension part. Okay. No, and, and uh, any
1: of those contributions by him? No. He 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 pays something towards the pension as well. So a Taoiseach would get seventy-three grand a year pension, is it? Ninety, actually ninety. I think it works out. Of. Okay, I think there's a few different um, payments for a yeah, Taoiseach. Yeah, they're,
9: they're, they're all different, and it's the same with all the committees in the Arctus. If you're the chair of a, a committee in, in the Arctus, you get nine thousand euros for sitting as the chair.
1: Yeah. These are all of the for extras, yeah, yeah. But the, I think I think extras. you get I think in retirement you get don't you get X amount of a pension for being a Taoiseach, another amount for being a minister, you, you another don't. amount for uh, being uh, a TD?
9: Yeah. Like the stand up the standard payment I think for a TD is around seventy two
1: thousand. Right. Okay. And I think
9: a minister is about hundred and twenty six thousand. And a Taoiseach? A Taoiseach I think is up around hundred and fifty.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, do you think that they ju- they're just line their own nest then, is it? They, they do, but you see, it, it's, all, it's all done under the counter, more or less,
9: because they don't have to tell anybody how much they're actually getting. They're only answerable to themselves.
1: So we have a lot of retired TDs and ministers and former Taoiseach who are doing very well, thank you very much, in retirement. We have an awful lot of them in the country. And if you and I were to do it, we would have had to invest five million euro of our own money in our working lifetime to achieve in your the working same. Lifetime. Yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. No, th- that's
9: that's just for one T-shirt. No, there's a couple left to go on before him. And in meanwhile, how are you finding it in the real world? In the real world, everybody. I feel sorry for everybody at the moment because people with kids it's a nightmare trying to look after them feed them put put clothes on them everything and anything has gone up you pass a petrol station every day they're adding a cent down to the price
1: yeah and the only now, thing that people, comes down then is the rain and the temperature isn't it pe- yeah.
9: people don't know no a cent they take no notice of a cent but all those cents creep up you know yeah I know man It's it, it's it's terrible for people. I really feel sorry for younger people because I'm retired at the moment, so I'm not too bad. Really brought it I home to me chatting earlier. On
1: the, I know brought it home to me chatting earlier this morning, where you know hearing from people who said that uh, you know they now. Uh, avoid other mothers or other fathers at the school gates because they might want to go for a bit of lunch or they might want to go for a cup of coffee. That
9: For a cup of coffee, are, yeah, exactly.
1: They, they avoid, they, they don't tell their children that the, the mother of such a friend gave a birthday invitation and the kid doesn't exactly. know about it because the mother can't afford a present. Exactly, exactly. There's so much pressure on, on people at the moment
9: and, you know, it, it's a habit as well, keeping up with the Joneses. Like, if they see something, you know, kids, kids need
1: what, what their friends have. They want to fit in and be part of...
9: They do, they do, they do. Know, yeah, uh, I, and it's, it's very hard, very hard for... I, like I said, I feel very sorry for young people today. Mm,
1: okay, okay. And well, what's going to happen to make things better?
9: Um, I think once... If they had to live in the real world, of politicians... You might grasp what people are going
1: through. Well, would Sinn Fein uh, make a difference? Like Sinn Fein are freaking this morning. You know they're talking. You know the, um, <coughs> you know the affordable home scheme where the affordable
9: home scheme.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. You know that the threshold for income on that is a hundred thousand euro. Do you do you That's really right, yeah. do you really think that somebody on a hundred thousand euro um, should no. be included in affordable home schemes where they get no, subsidies? See,
9: well, I'll well, I, I tell you, you know, my son is i think his earnings are around thirty three thousand but he's over the threshold for social housing,
1: yeah, yeah,
9: you know, which is
1: to me is very low yeah you know he I mean? be better off not working than working for thirty three grand well what this is it you see and people want to contribute to
9: to their to their communities and their country but they're making it very hard for people. And the same with, with this new development thing that they're giving to developers 140,000 per unit That's
1: that right. they build. That's right.
9: That's right. So that it, To be honest with you, I think the simple way out of that is their supplies are, the vat is 23%. Now, if you cut the vat on what they can buy their materials at, that would be a more sensible option, I think.
1: Rather than giving them a hundred and forty grand, rather than probably. giving
9: them one hundred and forty thousand, yeah, I know, and then asking people to pay the market value for those units when they're full.
1: What we do they're know only, is that there's three quarters of a million people now living in poverty in this country, and uh, over uh, two hundred and twenty thousand of them are children. Um, it's a frightening yeah, statistic,
9: and, and and that's a frightening statistic as well. But the, the other part of it then is that that lady was speaking earlier on about the schools. The uniform thing—that's another ridiculous thing. That everybody in every different school has to have a different uniform.
1: Yeah, if you didn't have school uniforms, it would be a free for all on bullying on the clothes the children wear.
9: I, I understand I that. Swear too. To God, I swear, God, it would be a
1: free for all. That's the only yeah, problem with that. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, you know. Yeah, look at but the oh, mean, look at the state here, man's runners. He can't even buy Nike or. I look know. At the I know. One, she's going around in second-hand yeah. clothes and you know, all that kind of thing. But you'll
9: you still have kids with, you know, not, not night runners, even with, with a uniform, they
1: won't have night runners, you know. Okay, let me get some more calls on air. Thanks, cha- t- thanks okay. Go to chat. Thank you. Recently heard of a Desh primary school, in and Cork, who can't hire buses for the children's school tours. When planning the trips, they approached a bus company about uh, providing the service for the children. But they were told that because of rising and uncertain fuel prices, the quote that they'd be given now won't be accurate at the time of the hire in June, and it could cost a lot more by then. Uh, Being a Desh school disadvantaged area, the teachers couldn't be asking kids and their parents for more money down the line and closer to the time when God knows what the price of fuel will be, so they just had to abandon the idea of taking the kids to a new place. They have still tours organised in locations nearby the school where the kids and teachers can walk to, But I thought this was quite sad. I remember going on my school tours when I was small and the bus would be half the crack and excitement was part of the tour trip itself. The crack and excitement on board the bus, especially because when you get to somewhere new and away from where you're from, children, whether they're in desh schools or not, especially deserve these opportunities. It's a shame the cost of things these days is getting in the way of all of that I was in town yesterday actually just yesterday afternoon had a bit of food inside uh, Electric they got the new Asian menu there well worth checking out Uh, but I saw two or three different tours going on in the city Uh, I was looking out the window of Electric and uh, on the junction of the Grand Parade and South Mall three different groups within the space of 20 minutes or so with one group maybe at 20 or 30 another maybe at 15 or 20 and the third one maybe something similar and they were just being brought around the city uh, on a, a tour of Cork City. It was a fabulous thing to see. Uh, I couldn't hear voices, so I don't know how many of them were local people. I don't think I, I don't think I saw a Kieran McCarthy tour, but there were other the chaps doing it. Um, it's kind of very interesting because at the same time then you had the wonderful, wonderful Cork City tour bus doing its thing. How many people have been on the Cork City tour bus where you just jump on uh, and you got the audio tour of the city? And all of the focal points that you should be visiting. If you haven't done it and you're planning on doing something with the kids, I imagine it's fairly cheap to do. But it's one heck of a day or an afternoon. Just jump on the bus and go around the city. Just a reminder that when I heard people talking about uh, school buses and school tours and not being able to afford the price of the bus because of the fuel cost. Anyway, text 0868104106. Your person on the air there about the cost of school has some cheek. Uh, yes, it's expensive, but we choose to have kids, don't we? She complained about everything, even adding the cost of feeding the kids with lunch. God help her, when little Johnny and Mary go to secondary school, she will definitely have the begging bowl out then, says Sharon. Not not altogether very kind, Sharon, but thank you for the text nonetheless. I do understand when you say that's what you sign up to when you decide to have children. Uh, the key is to swap to pay as you go heating top up your card weekly and keep paying this amount during the summer months even if it's not being used keep paying it you're topping up for the winter time we've been doing this for the last two years it's made a big difference thank you another one here I went to a local cafe yesterday Sunday morning I had scrambled egg on one slice of brown bread and a pot of tea the price for scrambled egg on one slice of brown bread 11 euro I won't be going back there again 11 euro, rip off Ireland, it's spiraling out of control. Woman on air is making a whole lot of excuses. What Neil is saying at the end of the day is 100% correct. Batch cooking, real food, is much cheaper and healthier for everyone. She's saying that parents are choosing pizza and ready made lasagna, which are more expensive because they're stressed over money. That, to me, makes no sense. Uh, Just one more listening to the show. I felt I had to text in. I'm a young nurse, qualified four years. I'm single and currently renting in the city. I worked 77 hours last week and will have to do more overtime this week. I applied for a mortgage a month ago and I was told the maximum mortgage I would get is €140,000. Well, you wouldn't buy a shed for that anywhere in the country. How am I ever supposed to get out of the rental accommodation trap and better myself? I would be seriously better off if I quit my job, joined the housing list, got a medical card and didn't have to pay exorbitant health insurance prices, rent and not have to save every spare euro I have for a mortgage. I can tell you I'm working 77 hours last week. I'm a very, very tired nurse. Keep those texts coming. Text 86 8104 Back after the break.
0: The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after
1: midday. 0818-104-106. Just in the middle of that ad break, there's an advert for what I was talking about earlier on this morning. If you're traveling overseas and you're getting car rental, just be very careful because you're all sorts of very, very scary stories who got caught um, and put in the security. You know, they take a security deposit, sometimes up to €1,200, and that's literally locked. They take it out of your, it's kind of frozen on your credit card or your debit card. Uh, It's got to be there. Otherwise, they won't give you the car. And you're always worried that you won't get it back or get all of it back. Like, you have to be very careful. I got a car last week, for instance. And do you ever see when you get the rental car, they show you a graphic of the car from the front to the back and both sides of it. And they show you all the marks on it. Did you ever get that, right? Well, the car that I got was a Fiat 500. It had more marks on it than a dartboard. Like, it was covered in those little black dots they put for fear. If you were to walk around it to make sure that all of those dots were proper dots, you just couldn't do it. And the car parks are pitch dark like. You'd be going around with the torch on your phone trying to look at the different, um, you know, the little dots that are on the car and the scratches. So you never actually know whose scratch is whose. And you go back then and they say to you, oh, no, there's a scratch there and there's another one here. And You say, no, that was there already. But you wouldn't be able to tell there were that many scratches on it. So I'd be very wary of that, particularly if you're going overseas and renting a car. And on that basis, I would say this car hire excess that you can t- spend 50 euro for the year is a great investment because if you do get caught with somebody else's scratch or mark, it could cost you hundreds. In fact, it could cost you upwards of, of 1,200. When you talk about, you know, you talk about uh, our giveaway this week for Welling Airlines and Cork Airport, we're asking people to share their most memorable uh, holiday moment. One of mine recently was when I was having lunch on the beach. I shared, I shared the video actually up on my stories on Instagram. It's gone now, but if you're interested, I can put it up in the grid and you can have a look at it. I was having my lunch. Do you see it? I was having my lunch um, just by the water, and the sand was on the other side of the of the table. And there was these pigeons hanging around, right? And this one particular, very, very saucy pigeon had an eye on my lunch, or at least on the bowl of chips. Very brave pigeon, incidentally. He must be very well used to people, uh, knowing that nobody's going to put in or out with them. So he jumps up on the side of the of the of the ledge next to me. He sits there with his little head go, <laughs> you know the way pigeons' heads go. Just sized me up, like wondering, is that a, is he a cranky git now? Is he liable to give me a dig or a box or a clatter across the side of my pigeon beak? Then he decided, nah, he's a he's a wuss, he's a he's a pushover. So the pigeon then jumps onto the table, right? It's over the edge of the table, and he takes a couple of steps, just you know, checking what kind of form I'm in. And then he goes back a bit, with the, the head gone, pigeon head. And he decides mm, this is looking pretty okay, and then he does another little walk a little bit closer to the basket of chips. He realises all is safe here. So then he makes the final assault on the basket of chips and he goes hell for leather into them. I mean, ripping. And I'm sitting there just watching him wondering, how many of these chips is this guy actually going to eat? And he went again and again and again until it went on for about maybe 45 seconds. Eventually I said, clearly I couldn't eat them anymore. They were the pigeons chips of that stage. So I just said, go on, go Off he went, full up with the food. I actually thought, D- could I post that video now? Or will I get people freaking out and giving me grief that I'm poisoning pigeons and that it's an irresponsible thing? You know the world we live in now where everything is so kind of touchy-feely and everybody gets upset about it? I posted it anyway and everybody got a good laugh out of it. So they're the kind of memories I'm talking about. That was just one recent one um, from the past fortnight away. The pigeon who stole my lunch. I've <laughs> been thinking about it now. <laughs> Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Text 868 Most memorable holiday memory. Uh, David, good morning.
13: Morning, Neil. How are you keeping? Good. What was yours? Uh, I suppose mine was back in 2013. I was in Vegas, um, and I'd just done an internship that summer. So I was travelling around a little bit. And there I was, coming out of the hotel, going into the kind of mall area. And as I was walking along, Coming towards me was this, this, this male with a tattoo on his face and his partner. And I was kind of looking at him funnily going, you know, he lo- oddly looks like Mike Tyson. Is that really Mike Tyson? And I only walked past him. And a group of lads in front of me had the same kind of odd reaction. Was that Mike Tyson? And then they kind of turned around like, geez, that is Mike Tyson. And you're over there in the middle of Vegas. And you walk past him and pure iconic as he is. And you're thinking, you know, he's going to have some kind of security detail with him and in a flash car or something. But he's just casually walking through a shopping mall here. So I couldn't pass the moment off. I had to run back to him and actually make sure it was him. So, yeah, that
1: was. Ah, for God's sake, one. you got a, got a selfie with him. Surely be to God.
13: Yeah, yeah. That was. That, was, that had, to, had to be done, like a, a moment like that. And, you know, no one would believe you're there just walking through and casually you bump into Mike Tyson. And was he okay about the selfie? He was, yeah. I mean, he wasn't being pestered by anyone. I think he was hoping to walk through and not get pestered by anyone, but here's this Irish lad running back in the middle of Vegas. What would you say to him? I said, uh, I said, I'm here on a little trip for a few days. And I said, I couldn't believe my eyes when I actually walked past you. I said, any chance of a selfie? And he started laughing and joking. And of course, he hears the Irish accent and they're asking questions one on one about Ireland and why you're oh, in the big, of all
1: places. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a it's a real international passport, the Irish accent, isn't it? Massively, massively. And
13: for like when I was over there on my internship you can go places in America where no one really ventures and as soon as somebody hears your accent, they're completely mind blown and <laughs> are asking all about Ireland of course, like, you know, some of them would even ask, Oh, what about leprechauns and all that Or kinda <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where to go that. with the apricons, bay, leprechauns and pigs in the parlour stuff, you know? Do you yeah, smoke turf over there? I just don't <laughs> exactly. get that. I don't get that. Um, that's one place that I never want to go to, Vegas. And the other place that I have no interest in the whole really earth, earth, world of going is, is Dubai. Why would you want to go to Vegas? It's a kip, isn't it? Um,
13: it's actually not as bad as people make it, it out to be. I mean, it was just some kind of place to take off the box before I flew home. Um, went out there. There was a bodybuilding convention on out there at the time, and I said, "Well, that might be interesting to go and have a look at as well." Are you a bodybuilder? The, uh, I, I, mean, I go to the gym and keep keep myself in shape, but I wouldn't say into that extreme. But okay. But your to trip to Vegas
1: after you had gone through the experience, did you regret it?
13: No, definitely not. It's it's even the hotels out there. There's something else, and to see the strip and all the lights going at night and everything, and just the people out there. Like you, just see everything like from street entertainers you know you come across people from all walks of life out there and of course i had the the pleasure of venturing off the strip because i had to call the bank account out there and then you see the other side of vegas where people don't talk about so it's definitely two extreme sides there what is that
1: side forgive me now david for picking up on what the other side of vegas because i know that there's an underbelly in another side of dubai which is fairly nasty
13: yeah, I mean like where, where I had to go to close a bank account, it was way off the strip. I was in like a taxi for ten, fifteen minutes, you going through neighborhoods going, Really, is this is this where the bank is actually located? And you go in and you know, you have you know, if homeless people walking around everywhere, you've crack addicts and that kind of thing. So it's They it's keep healthy. that
1: well outside the strip, don't they? Yeah, yeah, massively. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the two sides to capitalism, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Anyway, that story on on Mike Tyson, that's the kind of story they have been looking for this week, and that's going to be a hard one to beat. Okay, well, that's good. Well. No, no shotgun wedding while you were there? No visiting <laughs> no. The Chapel of Love? No, thanks. No, thanks. no not, nothing like that extreme. But,
13: um, what about I, the I, casinos? I
1: any old bit of blackjack yeah, or roulette? A of, yeah, a
13: bit of that, a bit of three-card poker, a bit of blackjack. Um, like It's just something you have to see it. To believe it, because it's just crazy. You can go out there, play all night you want, whatever you want to do. Um, and there was even people like of all ages out there. You see them playing on the tables. You go to sleeping it up, and they're still there the next morning. Ah, but that's not good, though, David. That's no.
1: not good. I mean, that's sad, no. isn't it? It's, it? It really is a, a bit of a fantasy land. Out there. That is sad, like people spending all day and night on the tables. I mean, you see
13: someone ring, winning crazy amounts of money. Some tables out there have a five thousand dollar buy-in, and you see some real poker players out there winning big
1: did you leave money at the table or did you take away more than you left
13: uh, i took away a small bit more than i left okay. but nothing to show at
1: home okay well a good home, experience and it cost you nothing then at least yeah exactly okay my man hang in there we'll see how you do appreciate it that's david on his trip to vegas and his selfie with mike tyson meanwhile annette good morning Hi Neil! Great prize this week—a fantastic city break to Paris with Vueling Airlines and Cork Airport, with all oh, of the would trimmings.
11: Oh,
1: I absolutely love it! Uh huh. Gay Perry, who'd you take with you?
11: Oh, I would probably—oh, there'd be a fight with my three children now, which one to take? But uh, probably my youngest, I think she deserves it. Which after. one?
1: Which one is your favourite?
11: Oh God! I I can't say it for people they like, they they be a battle in my house morning noon and night they all call each other their I mean, favorite. we friend.
1: all have a favorite? Come on, Denise. Oh Anish. God! Do I you're, have to say it on air? Your firstborn, maybe. <laughs> she might like to think so. <laughs> do you know how they say if you have a boy? Uh, and no, a- uh,
11: let's just let's just say I have two girls and one son. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know it, the, the, the highlight don't, the one say it. don't go
1: any further please because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't That's want it. carnage in your house. I love
11: I love the guessing game in my house it's great fun I, like get, a, I r- guess falls right with them trying, to, um, with them trying to, to, to win the battle amongst themselves so I know, great yeah. you, who do
1: you <laughs> love most Mammy? you love her more than me it reminded me of the story that I heard you know you talk about um like say for instance a mother who's got a son or a daughter right yeah. and the daughter comes in after a hard day or whatever and says Ma'am, I'm starving. Is there anything to eat? Is there anything in the fridge? Ma'am says to the daughter. I don't know. Find out for yourself. The son comes home after a hard day out and he's absolutely starving ma'am I'm starving is there anything to eat? sit down my darling son let me cook for you a warm hot <laughs> nutritious delicious meal put your feet up I'll call you when it's ready yeah
11: it's it speaks for itself
1: like doesn't it <laughs> uh, anyway give me your yeah. I think it's an embarrassing holiday moment so go ahead
11: it is Neil and, and you know I know the, the lads that work at a great get out of it and anytime a new person starts they say come over now and have a listen to the next story." like you know but I don't know worth winning a a trip about Butcher Luck we'll say it anyway right so um, my brother lives over in Australia so um, he's over there about 12 years so I decided only about 3 years ago I hadn't seen him in a long time so I said I'd go way over so Got got over to Australia anyway, and my bag got uh, lost in Singapore. So I was over there now in a new country, with, with, and his wife is there who I'd never met or anything. So I had no clothes, only the clothes on my back. So that was a bad start to begin with. So <coughs>
1: that was fine. No, no, so no makeup, not even a comb.
11: No, no, I wouldn't be a makeup person. A very plain. Would you be dragging a comb together.
1: through your head? I'm sure. But you? I
11: needed uh, you. You'd need a few of your uh, your smalls anyway. I need, <laughs>
1: They can't see the smalls so, anyway at least. Go <laughs> wash them in the sink.
11: Yeah. So I had to I so, saw so my so my wife's uh, girlfriend and my, my wife at the time had to take me straight to the supermarket to get my smalls to tie <laughs> me over while while donations of clothes were being given by the neighbours then to, to tie me over till I got my suitcase. So long story short, anyway, eventually after a week I got my suitcase and I was delighted and I had been with my brother for the full week, so I said, Right, I'm going away right off on a day trip now and for the day for myself, with my, my clothes that I had planned to bring over, so put on a lovely dress and my denim jacket and whatever, and off I went on my day trip sightseeing. So I was after buying my day ticket for uh, for Sydney, and I said, first stop now will be down to Bondi Beach, because I've heard so much about it. But my brother was after saying, stay away from the place now, it's all pickpockets, and, you know, don't go down there now on your own, and he's my younger brother now, and I'm much older than him, like so... Right, so that was fine and so off I went anyway with my with my my lovely clothes that I was after getting and down to Bandai and had a look around and had my lunch and whatever and went down to the beach and stripped off in my swimsuit and my flip flops and walked down to the beach with my flip flops down to the edge of the water, took off the flip flops anyway and I had my phone in my, my waterproof bag. Off I went away into the into the water and anyway, swimming away mad and when I go into the water I tend to go in there for a good long time like so. That was fine anyway. Came back out anyway, but I, I don't. No
1: matter where I go, I find the feckin water too cold.
11: Oh I love it, I, Neil, know I love it. What it is. So I walked away back up to where I thought I was after leaving my clothes. No sign of my clothes, no towel, no nothing, no backpack, everything was gone. And I was there to myself, did I had I drifted in the water down to the left or to the right and did I lose my pacing? But I didn't because I knew exactly the people that I had been sitting next to were still there. So I knew I knew my bags had been gone, and I was there saying, "What am I going to do?" So, it was only afterwards I realised I could have went up to up to the you know the the the, the rescue place to try and figure her out. Uh, you you were know, robbed on the beach. I in was robbed, Good, Brad! Everything was gone. So all I had now was my phone and I had my, my sightseeing bus ticket as well inside in the little pouch and my flip flops. So I said, look, I'm not going to let this ruin my day and I will be very thick-skinned and I would be of the attitude that I don't care what anyone thinks. Yeah, but you're only, and, you're only wearing a oh, bikini. No, and
1: You're only wearing a bikini. Oh, no, no,
11: Neil. This... this Christmas now so I was fairly festively clunked so to the swimsuit I had on me to okay. keep in bits. <laughs> So I went back I said look I said that's it No, I have enough of Bandai so I said I'd go back over to the sightseeing bus anyway So I so which was okay because a lot of people were walking around the place with swimsuits anyway, so that was fine. But
1: you so got, got on, on the-, the sightseeing bus in a swimsuit and flippers. Swi- oh or, I
11: did. But that was that was okay, Neil, in Bandai because it was a beach area. But I was going into Sydney City Centre. So to, it was when I was going to be getting off the bus is the
1: problem. Stay on the bus. Ring someone. Stay
11: on bread. the bus, but no neither, because, you see, I was after paying for two buses in these two sightseeing. So one direction was out to Bondi and the other one then was down by Sydney Harbour. So I actually got off the bus <laughs> into City Centre and I was still going to continue my sightseeing down to Sydney Harbour. So I did all that. So I was sitting up at the, the top of the bus so people were getting on and off and they were looking out the side of their eyes saying, Where is this Looney Tunes after being released from from the day for the day? <laughs> so that that was fine, Neil. That wasn't even the worst of it, right? I still felt like I was a tourist at that point. So it you're walking around
1: downtown walking Sydney? walking
11: around now with a green swimsuit and Neil, when I go into the water I have short hair. So my hair sticks up. I needed a hairbrush and my hairbrush was in the backpack that was robbed. So I am an ugly tourist. (laughs) Right? So that was fine anyway. Got back into Sydney City Centre, right? And it was about 6 o'clock in the evening, right? So all the suits and the businessmen with their briefcases were all walked. So I was walking down what you would say now was like Patrick Street and heading towards the train station, right? So I'm walking down the street and they're moving out of my way as if I have a big red light at the top of my head saying... Oh my crazy God. Crazy person. Put me back into Notto. So that was that was fine anyway. So I went up into the train station and I am standing on the platform next to all these men with suits and women with their briefcases and I'm there with my green swimsuit and my flip-flops and just standing on the platform pick as you like now, trying to be brave <laughs> and hop on the train to my back down to see my brother. And you see, I couldn't ring my brother because I would have got, I told you so off him. You shouldn't have went to Bandai or whatever, but sure, oh, we had why, a great kid about why it. Why didn't you ring him? I, I didn't want to give him the satisfaction of telling him that he was right and I was wrong.
1: But you turned up <laughs> at the house in the swimsuit.
11: I, but I made my own way home on my own. I needed no help from nobody.
1: <laughs> you could have been arrested.
11: I got but to know what my friends were saying afterwards. You should have checked Facebook and multimedia all over the place because someone definitely had to have video of this weirdo coming down the street in the middle of Sydney and a green swimsuit and Ye- flip flops. Years ago,
1: oh. years ago in a New York <laughs> hotel, right in the pitch dark, sharing a room with my wife, sleeping naked as you do. <laughs> I opened and went through a door that I thought was the bathroom. Right? Oh god. And I ended out. I ended out I ended up out in the in the, the hallway. hallway. The, of the hotel with like twenty other bedrooms left and right of me,
11: <laughs> naked in the naked I'll have a in look the hallway. I'm No, social no, name. it was about.
1: It was about. I think I was lucky because I think it was about. Do you know you go for a pee at about four o'clock in the morning? Sometimes?
12: Yeah, yeah. There
1: was no, there was no one around. But it took ages of banging yeah. on the door for her to <gasps> oh, to wake up yeah. and let me back into safety. <laughs> oh, the
11: embarrassment. But at, least, can you at, least if,
1: nobody,
11: at least nobody saw you, near The whole system no, but, the centre well, saw me. I know,
1: but hold on. <laughs> no, I mean, I can beat that. Like, what yeah. if I was staying in the room on my own and oh. there was nobody to let me back into the bedroom <laughs> and it's four o'clock in the Marriott Marquis on the 17th floor of a thousand hotel Bedroom hotel, and I'd have to go down to reception naked. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should just no, keep this price. No, you, you,
11: you might win the competition yourself, are I'm going to keep up with myself. Stop <laughs> trying to upstate myself, Neil.
1: Yours is going to be very hard to, hard to beat in it. Oh Hang in God, there, right?
11: Oh, it, it was unbelievable but you know. <laughs> it's something to laugh about for years to come because anyone that knows me knows that i i just don't give a damn about anything or anyone in in a good sense of the manner you know (laughs) like Like, i'm never going to see any of those people again and that's the way i kind of say it to my kids like you know don't don't ever care what anyone thinks Yeah. Oh, brilliant, Neil. It was brilliant. Oh,
1: thanks, lot. Cheers. Yeah. Take yeah, care. Yeah, no matter. Thanks, Neil. Keep Bye. those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106.
0: Cork's Red FM.
1: Okay, most memorable, uh, funny, embarrassing moment, whatever the case may be. Most memorable holiday moment. Well done to Annette. and indeed to Dave. I'll do one or two more. I was telling you the story there about the pigeon uh, eating my lunch? That was a story that I put up last week. It was one of those 24 our stories. So what I've done now is I've just reposted it onto my platform, you know, where it's, it'll just sit there as part of the feed. If you want to have a look at the pigeon stealing my lunch, it's up on my Instagram page. You can check it out for yourself. The video is up there. I think you'll get a laugh out of it. So keep those texts coming, particularly for our Welling Airlines giveaway, courtesy of Welling and uh, Cork Airport. You'll be off to Paris with return flights for two, hotel accommodation, €200 euro to spend in the loop. You'll stay while waiting for your flight at the Aspire Executive Lounge at Cork Airport and free parking for the motor while you're away in Paris, France. So let's get another one on the air and then we'll pick it up tomorrow and across the week. Mike, good morning. Uh, Good morning, Neil. Okay, my friend, your most memorable moment, please.
8: Yeah, I suppose mine is at the other end of the scale of a serious nature rather than what your previous callers had there. Uh, I remember we were on a holiday in around 2006-2007 in the beautiful island of Mallorca in Palma Nova Resort which is one of my favourites, and uh, we were staying in, the, in the, the hotel campus, so we were on the pool one evening, and around five o'clock we decided to go back to the room and change, but uh, my youngest, one of my sons, my two sons, um, he, I had taught him to swim in Cove for the last few years, but previous to that, I took him to the Commodore every Sunday morning for about two years, and they really got into swimming very strong. Good. But we were on we this complex, and we went up to the room around five o'clock, and my son, uh, he discovered that he left something at the poolside, so he went back down. As he went back down, uh, a toddler, i say about two he was, he fell into the deep end. So my son dived in and pulled him out, and um, within about 30 seconds later, the family came and discovered what had happened. Oh
1: my so, God, so, you mean an, but, yeah. un,
8: an unsupervised two-year-old Actually, he toddler. He just drifted away for a moment from the family, he just drifted away from his parents, i for you know a minute, and that's, you know that's all it takes for... He was at the deep end. He fell in. He was at the bottom. My son pulled him out, and the family. Just he was arrived. at the
1: bottom. He'd gone down
8: under. Absolutely, oh, he'd gone down to the yeah, absolute. It's a gone. wonder
1: he spotted him, Mike.
8: Uh, just as my son was coming down, he saw him going in. Just as he got view of the pool, he just saw him falling in, and he dived in straight away and pulled him out. And um, the family came down within 30 seconds, like with 30 seconds with a toddler in a pool is vital. Obviously, every second is vital. Good God! So uh, they were absolutely. We met him the next day. The family there from County Tipperary. Actually, as it turned out. So we're obviously hugely hugely appreciative but that's one thing that always stands out in my mind you know the dangers of kids and, and pools and drifting away from family is so easy it just takes a few seconds for a toddler to drown what was,
1: the, what was the reaction of
8: the family? oh they were absolutely ecstatic and relieved obviously like because even if they hadn't came down to the pool they might not have even seen him he'd been at the bottom of the pool for a couple of seconds or maybe a minute and obviously time's crucial uh, but just just God, God sent my son went down that time and just happened to see him falling in as he around to the corner to, to see the full, full pool in view how
1: did he bring him back I mean was he conscious when he got the charge? oh he was conscious yeah he
8: was conscious yeah he was conscious alright he was Yeah. isn't that incredible oh just pure pure timing pure luck really
1: I mean 60 seconds later
8: totally Absolutely, different I scenario think it, it could have a massive tragedy yeah averted, definitely no.
1: I mean, you're covering so many different topics here, including the importance of being able to swim, the importance oh, of the importance yeah. of CPR, you know, the importance of... Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. And, and how quickly yeah. a child can just stray away. Gone the flash.
8: Gone the flash, yeah, absolutely. And bang, the into one. the world. Oh, the holidays go. I've had, all the summer holidays that we were fortunate to have over the years with my family, uh, that's the one that always kind of stands out in my mind, <laughs> Not for, maybe for the wrong reasons, you know. God, but It just shows you how things can, uh, in a holiday, when you're all having fun, just how seriously things can go the other way for you.
1: All right. That's a great yeah. story. Thanks for sharing it. Hang in there. We'll see how you get no on. Problem. All right. I tell you what, I'll Thank tell you, you one thing. Yeah. If, if your son doesn't win a weekend away uh, to, uh, to Paris with Cork Airport and Vueling, I certainly That's would true. have another prize for him and that fantastic yeah. intervention. You can be sure of that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Christoph,
8: Thanks a million, Neil. OK. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. Thank Appreciate you.
1: it, Mike. And well done to your son, Niall. Uh, Ashling, good morning. Good morning, Neil. OK. So uh, where are we? 2014, is it? Yeah, Okay. so what
7: back in 2014 I went to New York with my mom, uncle and my sister, we were going over the family over there, so basically we went to upstate New York and we were in a war park, so I went down the slide and little did I know my bikinis top ripped off when I got down to the bottom of the slide, so I basically kind of flashed in front of American stations and my family, but thank God now I got it covered up, quick enough, but it was very embarrassing at the time.
1: No, nobody caught it on video or a photograph or anything.
7: No, no, no. Thank God, anyway.
1: <laughs> you had a kind of a wardrobe misadventure, is it?
7: Yeah, yeah. Very unfortunate, now.
1: You were probably the only person that noticed, though.
7: Well, I was with my sister because she had just gone down before me, so she noticed. And then I went back to my family and said it. And sure, they were laughing away, thought it was the funniest thing ever.
1: Let it all hang out, girl. What's the big deal? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Anyway, thanks for sharing. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. We're looking for the most memorable holiday moment or experience. And we've covered an awful lot from the embarrassing to the serious and also to the life-saving. So courtesy of ourselves and uh, Cork Airport and Vwelling Airlines who fly from Cork to Paris to Orly Airport three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Sundays and Orly is the closest airport to Paris city centre. It's only 14 kilometres away. So it's a fantastic city break for two with return flights and all of the trimmings. Uh, you have time now to text 86 810 on that one. You can also email your story to neil at uh, FM. Dot IE and get stuck in. I have to say uh, on the conversations and the calls that I had an opportunity to get on this morning, I absolutely loved uh, the conversation with regards to um, uh, Annette, who was down in Australia and in Bondi um, and had our most embarrassing moment when she was robbed. Firstly, the luggage didn't arrive got lost in Singapore and then was robbed on the beach in Bondi. I'm not taking from any of the other stories, but that one just blew me away. It's an incredibly funny story. Thank you for sharing, Annette. You go into Friday's final and we will have five finalists uh, and somebody will win the weekend break on Friday's program. So do keep those texts coming. Uh, text 0868104106. Or if you have a story to share that you want to get to down by email, you can do so, neil at redfm.ie. Um, one or two other texts and emails before I love you and leave you for the day that's in it. And it has to do with topics we had this morning on the cost of living. I agree with your caller. This government is driving our educated people abroad now because they no longer can afford to live here. My three highly educated sons have left their homeland because they can no longer afford to live here. Ireland's loss... Canada's gain. I often wonder whether it's a wheel that keeps on turning. Because if you were to pick up that text, even though there wasn't texting back in the 1980s, that text would have been as applicable now as it was back in the 1980s, when I remember everybody. uh, There was just an exodus of young people out of the country. Uh, And you know what? It actually had nothing to do with the cost of housing back in the 1980s, because it wasn't crazy with regards to house prices back then. Back then, it was a lack of jobs, We don't seem to have a lack of jobs now. We certainly have a lack of housing or rental at affordable prices. And I think maybe the problem with jobs is, while there's a lack of jobs, there's a lack of good-paying jobs. In relation to this lovely lady that is complaining about lots of people coming into the country, well, I'm a foreigner living here in Cork. We all know the Irish government is attracting corporations from overseas into the country. And we all know that these have caused higher job offers um, I would be very happy to return to my own country if I could and was allowed to work there, but I'm not. I think that texture is kind of saying that a lot of the jobs coming in from the corporations from overseas are paying an awful lot more money for the jobs and paying an awful lot higher salaries. And that's driving rental prices up as well. And just one or two more before I let you go. I can't believe how, things, how bad things are getting with the cost of living at the moment. One small example, I happen to be looking back on shopping receipts and I noticed that in the space of, a, of maybe four weeks or so, a pound of butter went from 219 to 299. First it went to 229, then went from 229 to 249, then 259 and now it's sitting at 299. And who, who knows how much higher it may go. This is also just the supermarket branded butter before you ask, which you'd expect would be on the fairer side of prices. I hope you get to share this. It's just one typical example of the staple price of a product in a Cork supermarket, says Janet Horgan. Keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Get in touch by email to neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day.